Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. It's Wednesday, October 23rd, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And for a change, on the line with Mr. Steve Say. Yo, yo. Steve, we, we, we needed somebody from Canada on the show. It's a rule. And as a rule, so now you are here to fill that role. So hey, thank man, you very much. I got you. I got you. It's all right. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm here. I appreciate it very, very much. Um, all right, so yeah, Steve, you are off in Canada uh, visiting uh, your your girlfriend. How are things going so far? Oh, everything's been awesome. It's been uh, a very laid back trip. We watched a couple of movies. Uh, it's been raining a lot here, so we've been staying in. And uh, I've been working on some writing. She's been going to work, and uh, you know, when you've got a long distance relationship, you kind of just appreciate those those quiet nights and spending time together and not being too busy. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we got a big Halloween party to go to this Saturday that's being put on by one of her friends. I cannot wait to go. Uh, I'm going to be the Joker this year. Awesome. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We got a comic book store tomorrow and just uh, having a couple of drinks and enjoying each other's company. It's been great. Which, uh, which version of the Joker are you going to be, Steve? I'm thinking that I'm going to go with the Heath Ledger uh, okay. Dark Knight Joker. Okay. Uh, I bought all of the necessary supplies to do so, and the more I try to do Cesar Romero, it <laughs> it doesn't necessarily f- fit my personality. <laughs> so, uh, but I have been working on my laugh, uh, which is is quite good. I'm not going to do it for you now. Oh but come on! No, 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 no! I haven't perfected like it yet. Maybe okay. next week. Okay. There's another Halloween party that we'll be attending that by then I will have perfected it and it will be glorious and everybody will weep at the sound of it. So. <laughs> mm. All right. I can't wait to weep at the Halloween party. Oh, you're going to need you're going to need some Kleenex, man. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> wow. We were just watching you die. As yeah, a matter we of fact. were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's that coming along, Bobby? Oh, it's coming along really well. I think you guys don't know what we're talking about. Um every year uh for our Halloween party, uh, we make a movie and uh this year, the same. We're, do, we're doing a, a zombie movie, and uh, it, it's a lot of work. Uh, this one is going to be the longest one that we've done so far. Uh, but it's coming together. I spent all day today. I spent like eight hours uh, getting up, and it's kind of it's kind of in beta form right now. You know, it's up on its feet. It's not really ready for anybody to watch, uh, but it, it looks great. And the opening scene, which Steve uh, is a very big part of, uh, it, it is probably the, one of the most together parts of it so far. Uh, and it looked really, really good. So it's exciting. Naturally. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> naturally. Um, Bob, so it's been, so you guys have been hearing a lot about, I feel like we've been saying this a lot in the last couple of weeks. You guys have been hearing a lot of us uh, over the, the past week. We did a couple podcasts from the, the, the show. 
Um, and we had a, a bunch of interviews go up. Uh, gargantuan three and a half hour long uh, show that was uh, filled with a ton of great creators. Uh, uh, just it's just a, a mass group of awesome people who gave us their time and uh, their busy con schedule to talk with us. Um, we also uh, released that Kevin Smith talk that I had. We released Steve's uh, discussion with four members uh, of 44 Flood. Uh, mm-hmm. w- one of which, if you go on the site, you can see the video interview with uh, Kasra Gambari. Uh, and uh, then uh, uh, on Monday, we released your interview with Chris Claremont. So all told, there was about five hours mm-hmm. of, um, of interviews. But Bob, I wanted to ask you, you know, we, it was obviously... It was, it was one of our the longer interviews, the Chris Clemmer interview, which is very nice. It's about twenty five minutes, and if you guys haven't listened to it, check it out because it, it's it's a great interview, and it's great to hear him talk about those kind of things. Um, but how was it for you interviewing Chris Claremont? Well, I was very very nervous. Uh, first of all, it was sprung on me sort of mm. out of the blue because we had asked him. Was it Friday? We asked him Thursday. So it was a Thursday yeah. first thing, and we were given the card of his assistant, and you know, try to find a spot in the schedule. Uh, mm. Answer girl, I think Answer her girl, name. Answer girl, yeah, yeah. And it was right at Saturday, what six o'clock? Oh, we, we've got this tomorrow. Yeah, I got the no. We got the email when we were at our meetup. I got the email from oh, right, yeah, from her saying, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. So it was very late in the game. Yeah. So, you know, some 2 a.m. prep mm-hmm. just to get some questions together a little bit. I knew a lot of what I needed to ask because I wanted certain points to come across for our listeners. You want to hit the highlights. Mm-hmm. And that said, this is one of my favorite comic book writers. And so to sit there and be able to ask him and it just went so well. He was so expansive with his answers. He just went. Mm-hmm. And I had about 14 follow up questions that he basically answered without me ever having to get to. Yeah. It was really special. I'm glad you. I'm glad you. It was a, a good moment for you. It was. Uh, it was really cool to watch, and that you can see as well. The video version of that is up uh, on on our YouTube channel and um, on the site, embedded in the podcast. There's a bunch of other video interviews that we're going to put up that I'll be putting up during the week. Um, you guys should also check out if you guys and uh, Bob and Steve both did written uh, recaps uh, of the show, which are both great. So uh, definitely, definitely check those out. Steve, did you manage to avoid Concrud this year? Yes, I did. Nice. Yes, I did. I am happy to say that I avoided it entirely. Hmm. Awesome. You had a rather large jar of airborne gummies. Oh, dude, I had everything. I had vitamins on top of vitamins, water. Uh, I just, I was very diligent this year, especially with washing hands. Mm-hmm. Um, always wash your hands. And I'll tell you something that Menton uh, 3 had told me over the weekend because I asked him off air. I said, How do you stay healthy through these things? And he said the key is to not put your hands in your mouth. Hmm. So take yep. that into advisement. Mm-hmm. I have a habit of playing with my beard, mm-hmm. and my hand is constantly going towards my mouth, so I made sure to not do that all weekend. Hmm. And I actually felt better on Sunday than I did on Friday. Hmm. So the fatigue just was not there for me this year, and I think it was largely in part to going home and getting proper rest and eating a real breakfast mm. and just making making my health a priority this year. Right, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we talked about, I, I talked about this on Twitter a little bit, but the con had 130,000 uh, attendees this year, uh, which pulls it virtually even with San Diego Comic-Con, um, which is pr- pretty amazing for a show that started six years ago. 
uh, in its first year, 2007, it had 15,000 wow. attendees. So wow. we, yeah, so it's, it's been a big, big growing process. And, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit, the, 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 some of the issues that they've had. Um, uh, we talked about some on the, the wrap-up podcast we did on, on Sunday. And, you know, it, it did grow very, very fast. And you can understand some growing pains. People did still pay a lot of money to come. So you hope that they have a good experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it seems like uh, the things they put into effect worked. And hopefully they put in a new layer of stuff next year to, to help even more mitigate some of the, the craziness. Like moving things out of that main thoroughfare and yeah, stuff like that. Get those cars out of there. Yeah, just, you know, you, you can't throttle as much. And we'll see what happens. They seem to have been very responsive to criticisms from last year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I have said this year that uh, I, we didn't talk about it too much, but um, yeah, they had the big theater, which they had last year. But they also they made the second panel room gigantic as well. Which, which I thought was a very good move for them to do, uh, because it stopped. As it, I mean, panels would that panel, the room would still, would still fill, but it was three times as two or two, two or three times as large as the one last year that those panels were in. So more people could at least go. Yeah, I didn't think we were going to get into the as we recorded our last one. We were mm. heading off to the Spider-Man panel, mm. and I had no inkling that I was going to get into that. Getting there two minutes beforehand. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it filled up a 3,000-seat theater, whatever that was. I mean, yeah. however many people were in there, it seemed like more than they could have ever gotten in there. Yeah. And managed everyone. There's yeah. still a couple of empties in the back. Most of the other panels, they did a better job this year, even at making sure they sort of cut the line off and told people sort of, okay, there's no mm-hmm. one past this. Yeah. And didn't let people line up needlessly. Yeah. Which was a real problem last year. So yeah, I think they're definitely responsive to the Q&A that must have come after. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Steve, did you end up walking away with any commissions last year? I don't think we talked about uh, this year. I mean, we didn't, I don't think we talked about it. Yes, I did, actually. Um, I got my my memory collectors number one. Uh, when it arrived at Tour Comics, it actually had one of those blank art covers. Mm-hmm. Are like already applied to it, so I had asked uh, Menden to draw me an art cover, and he came up with this. I asked him for a uh, classic movie monster, but instead I got like a almost like a wraith, mm. uh, his version of of some uh, like a female wraith. It is absolutely gorgeous to watch him draw it. It took about three and a half minutes, and it is was just wild to to watch him go into almost like a, a trance like state with his blacks and his grays and all of his fine pens and these tremendously creative people so many people in artist alley and beyond that they're able to they're so trained and they're so used to their craft that they're able to do these things on the spot uh is quite tremendous i also got a uh valeria richards from agnes garboska which was absolutely adorable. Uh, it's become kind of my thing to to get something from her each year, or at least now it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also got a $5 piece from Katie Cook of um, Harley Quinn riding atop Pinkie Pie, awesome. which is absolutely hilarious. And I even managed to frame all of my stuff. Um, I think the day after I got home, I was very, very, again, the word diligent. I was very on top of that this year. And uh, I have yet to take photos of the actual display. Um, oh, and I also have my Kelly Sue Pretty Deadly promo uh, sign framed as well. And the way that they're now laid out on my wall creates this almost this arrow of sorts on my wall. And it's just the way it worked out. It looks 
awesome. So I'll have to take some photos for uh, share it on the site or on Twitter or something like that. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I ended up, uh, I mean, I got a couple of sketches, which are pretty cool. And, and uh, Roy didn't maybe uh, me an awesome um, Mega mm. Man. Uh, sketch Roy and Lep, an awesome Mega Man sketch. Uh, and I commissioned one piece. It's a fifty dollar full color print. I haven't gotten it yet. You know, I got it. At the, I didn't decide till the last day of the con. But I was doing this. I'm doing this. Uh, you know, the video game character theme. And uh, my girlfriend Karen loves the Silent Hill games. And there's a character named Pyramid Head in those games. Ah, yeah. So yeah. I, I found this artist named Mike Ratliff, who um, he does kind of. Uh, they're like baby versions of horror characters. I uh, <laughs> call them terror tots. Uh, and I asked him to do a uh, pyramid head. So that should be coming uh, relatively soon, but it, it it's awesome. It, I loved his style. I was kind of just looking for the right style walking around mm-hmm. and I happened upon him and, you know, I, I just happened to be circling and every time I circled past him, it drew my eye. So eventually I just went up and I, I got the commission. So hopefully getting that uh, pretty soon. Uh, Does Karen know about it yet? Yeah, I told her because I because I said I was gonna get her something the last day of the con, um, and I was like, oh, I'll try to find something Silent Hill for you or something Mad Magazine for you, and I was like, I'm also gonna commission, and then I was like, you know what? I'll get something instead of getting like some random thing or some you know trinket, I'll get something yeah. substantial, you know, it, you know, instead of spending fifty dollars combined on all of those things, I'll spend fifty dollars on one thing and get something awesome. And right in her wheelhouse too, so exactly, perfect, right? yeah. Um, I actually, I forgot about this. I actually, um, had Royden Lepp as well. He did a, I sort of a commission slash favor for me. He drew a, uh, portrait of Tom Waits for my girlfriend, awesome. Bronwyn. So that was another thing that I, that I took home and, uh, I actually have it here with me now and we're going to try to find a frame for it before I leave. Awesome. That's awesome. It's, fa- it's fantastic. It's, it looks just like him. It's amazing. <laughs> Very, very cool. Um, Bob, you mentioned um, uh, the Superior Spider-Man and his amazing friends, whatever the, the title of the yeah, panel was. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, that was the one panel we didn't get to talk about at the oh. end of the show because we had through Sunday. Um, so, I mean, Bob, you actually were there. You took notes. So instead of me running over some news story that I have in front of me. If uh, I can read them a week yeah. after. Uh, maybe just go over like the announcements because I know they talked about some storylines with, with Spider-Man and stuff like that. and. Everything like that, but th- we, you know, we had teasers for them to announce, and I wanted to know uh, what you had there. What do you thought about those? Well, every everyone keeps asking Dan Slott, Well, he's coming back, and yeah. this and that. He's dead. He's still dead. I'm gonna leave a trail of bodies behind. <laughs> I'll kill every. I'll kill Aunt May. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just killing everyone entirely. Um, he really is enjoying the heck out of teasing everyone here, <laughs> which is a heck of a lot of fun. Honestly, they did announce the end which is um, going to be part of Superior 27.1, and everything will have led to this, and it's Green Goblin versus Doc Ock, and it's Goblin Nation, mm. which you wouldn't say anything else but that, and just, you, you're going to want to read this. <laughs> and I understand why, because if we've waited, is it a year now of... Yeah, it's about a year now, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I... You get the feeling listening to him that it's not ending mm. when we think it is, how we think it is. You get the feeling when you're reading it that it's not going to be ending anytime yeah. soon, but uh, it's been great, so there's no reason why it should. Uh, a lot of – he was very sparse on details, mm-hmm. really just giggled a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, Steve, you were there, right? I mean, did he really say much? 
I was not there, but I was, oh, I thought you I was were very much us. paying attention to, I mean, I follow him on Twitter and uh, he's quite active on there and he's been, he loves to tease. He loves to, you know, throw, throw a little piece of information because he gets hassled on a daily basis relentlessly from fans. You know, Spider-Man is beloved by so many people to have killed him off and, and, and done what he's done with the character. I mean, people are, you know, they've got venom uh, in their teeth for this guy. And he loves it. He loves it. I mean, every so often he has to defend himself, but for the most part, he just has a ball with it. He loves hanging it over everybody's head. I think it's great. Oh, yeah. And he he, was, he spread the love around to the you know superior foes and the team-ups. Uh, I guess it's... Uh, uh, Christos Gage doing one. I, I may have this wrong. Mm-hmm. Nick Spencer uh, doing Christopher Yost. Christopher Yost. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can't yeah. read my own writing. See, it's a, <laughs> and it's a week later. Uh, we're gonna get you know, the new Beatles gonna get some love, and mm-hmm. he loves that he's created his own little corner of the Marvel universe. And, yeah. and Steve Wacker sounds like couldn't be happier. He, he's reveling in the craziness that's going on. Yeah, it, it's nice because it has allowed him to create. Uh, his really, you know, he was had a great run on Spider-Man previous to this, but this has allowed him to really put his stamp uh, on the character and to, you know, when when he's done, this will be something that people talk about, you mm-hmm. know, because he did something different than everyone else was doing. So I, I find that to be really, really awesome. And, and you know, honestly, like, listen, I love Peter, and I, 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 he will be back eventually. But the way, the bottom line is that what Dan Slott's doing right now is, is great, and I don't even I don't even think about it when I'm reading it. I don't, I'm not constantly wishing Peter was back. Uh, I think he's done a really amazing job with this storyline with Superior. I know Steve, you've been loving it. Oh, absolutely! I cannot wait. Um, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday is the big number twenty, yeah. which he's been he's been teasing for probably about two months now, where people that have read it. Just they they have like they have no words they have nothing to say mm-hmm. and I am I am at this point completely in the dark uh, for a long long time I knew where the story was going and try to and kept it to myself from speaking with Dan Slott last year but now I have no idea what comes next and I just I cannot wait it's definitely been one of the one of the bravest moves in comics that I've seen uh, over the past year and I've been loving it yeah and. Uh... The the last I was going to talk about this a little bit in the books of the week, but I might as well talk about it now since we're talking about Superior Spider Man. The the arc he just did with uh, twenty ninety nine and mm-hmm. where that ended up, um, really well sets up that character to be a major part of the Marvel universe going forward. Uh, and he uses that character in a in a very smart way to push forward the inevitable. Uh, discovery that Peter isn't, you know, or Spider-Man isn't quite who we think he mm-hmm. is anymore right. as far as the, the, you know, the greater population and, and characters that exist in his book. So right. that was really great. And I mean, Spider-Man 29, 29 is just a great character to read. Steve, are you, are you all caught up with uh superior? I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to add on to what you were saying, I mean, one of the things that I'm enjoying about it right now with, 2099 being a part of the picture and Carly having her suspicions and Carly now being with another hero and and a group of people, especially Horizon Labs, where everybody's really, really starting to question his motives. And it's no longer Mm -hmm. 
Carly being the only one that's suspicious. We're actually getting like um, we're amassing a group that will, you know, probably at some point all come together with their their various evidences and just wage war upon him to find out what the hell happened. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It's very much like what Ed Brubaker did when he Captain America was dead mm -hmm. for a year and the book was still a great read. That was all the Winter Soldier stuff taking over for Cap. And when he came back, you remembered why you missed him so much. Mm-hmm. And so th- there's, you know, if, if Slot Spider-Man before was great, but the whole idea of, well, now you haven't had that for a long time. The, yeah. the embrace that's coming when Peter does come back. Yeah. <laughs> and how that's going to happen yet, there are so many methodologies mm-hmm. for this. I know there are people screaming, how could they do that? They can't bring it back. It's comics, people. Yeah. They'll come back because Doctor Strange wills it so, or Franklin Richards says, fix. Yeah. I wonder if he'll uh, if he'll write beyond when I mean you know eventually Peter Parker will come back. I wonder if Dan Slott will stay on and you know continue to to build off of that, or if he'll do what he's done and then hand over the reins and let somebody else start fresh with a whole new Peter Parker Spider Man situation. Hmm. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, he seems Every like time a guy, will tell. Yeah, he seems like a guy who plans very far ahead. Yeah. So I'd say he probably has that plan in his mind already. He mm-hmm. just hasn't told anybody yet. Yes. Um, so uh, some of the other stuff at that yeah. panel was the, uh, as we guessed from our craziness just before yeah. throwing stuff out there, higher is Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And that is still Kelly Sue DeConnick. Mm-hmm. It is now going to go cosmic. Mm-hmm. And it's based on a letter that Helen Cobb wrote to the, the, the flyer that she inherits the plane from, mm-hmm. from way, way back, you know, uh, Higher, faster, further, all that, and that is going to drive this series forward. There's still, I think you will still see some of the old cast, mm-hmm. but it is going to be now taking this to somewhere else. She is Earth's Mightiest Hero defending us out there, too. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and David Lopez, right, is, yep. the, is the starting and artist. And looks really, really good. Yeah, he's what, a great artist. He's great. Yeah, he's great. So that's, I'm, I'm happy about this. And it, we, we talked a little bit on the wrap-up podcast and, there's a, there's more no new number ones than I really expected at, it, with series that have only been around for a year. Like Secret mm-hmm. Avengers is getting a number one and some other ones as well. Um, and I I think that personally, like, I don't, you know, Stephanie mentioned, well, you know, that's what arcs are for and everything like that. But for me personally, I think that, look, numbering would be nice. And I think I think even... I think Stephen Wacker was talking about this, or Axel Alonso, I don't remember who it was, or maybe it was Joe Casada. It was some one of the big ups at Marvel. Was like, he's like, yeah, I love the numbering the books too, but you know, do you know what's more important to these books coming out? People buying them, the money that they make is what yes. is the is the important part. So we need to these books need to make money, and the number ones make more money than number twenty twos. And so if this can, people can hop on Captain Marvel now with number one. And we can get, you know, at least maybe like a, a 40,000 selling book instead of a sub 20 at times, then mm-hmm. it's a win uh, across yeah. the board. This is not collecting the way it was when I was mm-hmm. younger and collecting. It was important to have all the numbers in sequence right. ad infinitum, to have mm-hmm. 578 consecutive journey into mysteries or whatever it turned into, or a thousand action comics that we're getting to. That's what you aspired to get. Mm-hmm. 
since the books, oh, this sounds terrible to say, the books themselves as entities aren't worth anything anymore Yeah. in the same way because of trade paperbacks and reprints, having an individual issue from last year doesn't mean as much. If mm-hmm. you missed it, you go to the store and buy the trade. Buy it on uh, the Marvel app. Mm-hmm. So if changing the numbering doubles the sales and keeps a character you love out in front of the public, yeah, fine. Make a new arc every year. Yeah. You know, do yeah. what they're doing what they're doing with Rocketeer, where each one's a mini. Yeah. So it's a series of mini series. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Jeff Loeb talked about this. He did a podcast with Kevin Smith, and he was talking about. Um, he had said to, uh, he had said to, I think it was the DC guys. He was like, you know, if it was up to me, like every year there'd be twelve issues of Batman, mm-hmm. and then starting the next year it would start at number one, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know they would be loosely connected, but. You know, it wouldn't be these giant, like, two-year arcs. It'd be one-year thing, and it'd be in volumes. It's a volume every year. Yeah, it's real magazine publishing. Exactly. Yeah. And that was that was his idea. I mean, Steve, what do you think about, well, Captain Marvel and this idea of these new number ones? Well, let me, um, instead of giving you my opinion, let me give you an example. Um, I was actually talking with my girlfriend about this the other night, that I've been wanting her to read Captain Marvel for quite some time, but it just seems we have such limited time together that there's been... I've never brought them out here or we haven't collected them. I mean, her and I are dating. She can always get them from me. Mm. But this renumbering and with Captain Marvel coming out at a number one in March, she can. She now has the time to collect what's already available or me if I actually remember to bring them out here one time. Mm. That'd be a miracle. Uh, she could read those in the meantime, but she has a, a brand new starting point to look forward to in March. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's a great idea to, okay. to renumber it. I think it, it invites new people. Uh, I think it's encouraging to readers. I think it's encouraging to readers that don't normally read comics. And specifically in the case of Captain Marvel, I think what ended up happening with that and why there's been so much back and forth, I mean, this is just me speculating, but it seems like everybody enjoys Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel now has a tremendous, tremendous fan base and following with the Carol Corps and different organizations set up in her name and all of these things that, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Let me just, uh, gather it up here. Um, you're, 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 again, you're inviting a whole, a whole new group of people to get onto that. And the people that might not have been able to jump in at issue, you know, 15, 16, 17, they don't understand that she basically lost her identity at some point. When did that happen? Now with the number one coming in March, they they can get that story from their friends and start fresh. Mm-hmm. And there'll be not only the hardcore audience for Captain Marvel, all those people that have been looking to jump on because their friends talk about it so much, they can now jump on with them and they can read it together and they can share it together Mm-hmm. And it'll bring a whole new fan base to that character. Yeah. Well, Stephen Wacker said at the close of that panel, you know, dis- discussing just this issue about people being able to jump on and what will happen. In five years, she'll be one of the biggest characters at Marvel. I hope so. They just—they really feel that this yeah. will, is going to make a difference and mm-hmm. finally just push it across the threshold. Yeah. Um, so more announcements. Sure. Though. Uh, Assassin. Just, yeah, we which were wrong turns about into Electra. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zeb Wells, Mike Del Mundo. Yeah. And he described that she's the Dexter of assassins. She's yeah. going to be taking out other 
bad people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Zeb Wells is an interesting writer for this only because I, and it's only I have very limited exposure with him be, uh, over the last couple of years, and everything I've kind of read with him has been pretty uh, funny. Um, when I don't necessarily see this as being a you know a, a funny book, but I think he did write. Didn't he write that shed arc in Amazing Spider-Man, Steve? Yes, and that's n- the opposite of of lighthearted. So yeah, no, that's not funny at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I can definitely see that going and you must be excited, right? One of the interviews from this past week was Mike Del Mundo. Um, yeah. so what do you think about this, uh, Electra book, Steve? I'm actually super excited for it because I, uh, I've come across a couple of Electra, uh, arcs and books and stuff inside of tour comics. And it's been one of those things where I've had it in my pile I then looked at my wallet and ended up putting it back. <laughs> but I've always been very curious about the character beyond the, Dare, the Daredevil movie mm-hmm. or even the, the Elektra spinoff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. She she intrigues me. And the, the idea, I do like Zeb Wells, but the idea that Mike Del Mundo will be the, the primary artist on that book uh, excites me to no end because not only is he he's an incredible guy, but I've I've loved his art for well over a year now mm-hmm. and uh i'm super excited to see what he does with the, with the character and with the book he does the covers for x-men legacy right he does yeah. uh he also recently did the uh superior spider-man team up uh he did the the two infinity tie-in issues uh, okay that gotcha. just dropped and those were gorgeous and he is also the primary artist on that new disney book uh disney marvel book that's going to be coming out right yeah yeah, yeah absolutely Cool, awesome, Bob. What do you think about this? As someone who probably has definitely read more lecture than any of us, yeah, uh, it's nice that she's back. Mm. Has she been dead in between she's before she came right back now. in the Thunderbolts? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> she's been in Thunderbolts this whole time, yeah, so. right? Yeah. But was she on hiatus or dead in between? I don't, I don't know. know. She was not very present in the Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah before that, should be fun. Mm. Uh, turning it into an assassin killing assassins is nice it's mm-hmm. a little different it's sort of the punisher idea yeah but now a little more covert a little mm-hmm. stranger yeah so we'll see how that goes speaking of the punisher, punisher yeah, yeah it's yeah. um that was hunted mm-hmm. and it is nathan edmondson and mitch grady oh, i have that garads garads oh, okay. i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure how to say his last name let's, let's, be, let's be honest about that um moving yeah. the punisher to los angeles yeah, yeah. i i it's certainly going to be picturesque. Mm-hmm. I, I just see the Punisher is hiding down in the subways and the mm-hmm. sewers. And there are plenty of sewer tunnels in L.A., though. I've it's watched true. all those old movies, it's like The Indestructible Man. There's yeah. always somewhere to go down there. Um, and they say he goes out there because he f- thinks he's found the, the head of the snake as far as yeah. like organized crime. In the, the, in the 131, I think they called yeah, it. Yeah. Whatever that is, yeah. exactly. Um, here, the thing for me is, again, we talked about this before, the only time I've been interested in reading The Punisher was the Greg Rucka stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I will definitely give a number one a chance. Um, you know, I, I'm not a, a huge fan of Nathan Evanson. Not as far... It's not that I, I dislike his writing. I've never been excited by his writing. Um, but, you know, he has worked in this milieu before. He works with... a You know, I think Dancer... Yeah, Dancer is about the assassin. Uh, so I think it could, it could work, work out again. It's, it's less about the creative team here for me, my interpretation than just the character. Cause he's not a character that I intrinsically love outside of the one thing that mm-hmm. I love him in. 
And they did ask about the Lady Punisher yeah. from that run, and yeah. that, that came up a cropper. That's not going to happen, yeah. but they said don't rule anything out ever because yeah. it's us. Yeah, exactly. Um, she might be cool showing up somewhere else. I mean, I think that that might happen at some point, but uh, that's a shame too. I mean, but she's a purely Greg Rucka creation, mm-hmm. so I don't know how many other people want to to use it. Um, want to see that movie? Yeah, which that is would never be gonna, the Punisher movie I want to see. Yeah, which is never going to happen now because of the the, the lawsuit. But Steve, well, yes. what do, what do you think about a new Punisher book? It's funny. Um, listening to what you were saying about it, I am like I echo your sentiments exactly. I've not had very much exposure to the character outside of the Rucker run, which I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, never expected to love it as much as I did. It blew me away. I, I really, you know, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was really dark. It was very gritty. And I fell in love with the Punisher. I'm almost afraid to read somebody's somebody else's take on mm-hmm. the character. And I'm... Not all too familiar with uh, Nathan Edmondson's writing style outside of Dancer, which I stayed on for a couple of issues and then ended up dropping. So um, I guess it's a it's a wait and see. I'll definitely be checking out. I mean, I check out all the number ones. Mm-hmm. So if he surprises me and it gets me, then I'll definitely, you know, continue on with it. But um, of all the announcements that's come out, that's kind of been low on my priority list. Gotcha. The next announcement is actually the one I'm most excited about. Which is? Uh, it was the War one-word mm-hmm. teaser, and it's going to be New Warriors uh, by Chris Yost um, with art by Marcus Toe. And it's going to – members include um, uh, Justice, Nova, Speedball, Scarlet Spider, and Sun Girl. It's uh, a new character. Yeah. Uh, deemed a threat because uh, – um, they, they, and it said it brings together members of various groups in the Marvel Universe, mutants, aliens, clones, and more, who have been deemed a threat by the high evolutionary. Uh, it just seems like, I just, again, we talked about this before, I love the kind of ragtag, you know, bunch of characters to come together who are, none of them are super famous in, in their own rights. Uh, there's a lot more room to play, you know, it reminds me of. You know, when we, t- we talk about Fearless Defenders, which we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, uh, X-Factor yeah. and, and stuff like that. And that's why I'm excited about well, it. Well, they said at that panel, the vibe they're going for is, uh, Steve, don't cry as I just did about Fearless Defenders, uh, a Runaways vibe, uh, Wolfman, Perez, <laughs> Teen Titans, just what you're describing, Bobby, a little bit of anxiety within the group. There's mm. stuff going on in every direction. So the, the stories just flow from those interactions. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm really excited. I like Chris Yost a lot. Uh, as a writer, I loved the Scarlet Spider stuff he did over the last, I guess, two years. Um, and he's done very good work on the, the which we used to be Avenging Spider-Man is n- and is now um, Superior Spider-Man team-up, I, I guess. Uh, Steve, what, what, do you, what, what do you think about this? Uh, I am a sucker for an underdog book. Mm-hmm. I think they're fun. And uh, the team intrigues me i'd like to see nova uh as part of a team i've been enjoying his uh his solo book but um i mean new characters new situation and if they're going for a runaways vibe which i hadn't heard up until now uh you know that i'm down for that Mm -hmm. absolutely so i mean there's there's so many exciting things coming out of marvel right now that it's hard not to be excited or at least extraordinarily curious about a lot of these titles yeah um New Warriors is obviously not a new property, though. That's probably as they existed before, right, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's, 
the new warriors in one form or another been around probably it's 20 years i guess mm. we go back to the beginning okay they're also part of where all the civil war starts right yes yeah because of the heart was it the hartford event yeah yeah which so, is a great beginning. That beginning of that book is great. Fun um, fact: book is not I actually own uh, New Warriors number one. It's one of the many, one of the few comics from my childhood that I still have in my oh. possession. Wow, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that was it for the announcements, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there was a question and answer, and uh, I guess someone asked Stephen Wacker if there was ever going to be a new Iron Fist book, and he said, "Oh boy, I wish it was." What? How many did you say? Um, he said. Uh, this is a very good question that I that only I know that I can't tell you the answer to because it's not four weeks from now. Um, so said, and, he said, and they said, no, there's no Iron Fist series. Happy Kids Day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that seems like he's saying that in four weeks we're going to be getting an uh, announcement enough. for an Iron Fist book. Uh, what do you think about that, Bob? I love Iron Fist, but I love Iron Fist even more with Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone just, I was chatting with someone, you know, by email. And to me, we have to see what Mighty is going to be yet, what Mighty Avengers, what that's going to end up being post-event. But I would really love to see a Luke Cage, Danny Rand, Misty Knight, Mm -hmm. Jessica Jones detective book, a little bit edgy, but light in its own way, kind of moonlighting. Right, kind of thing. Yeah, sort of a Hawkeye with a, a, another mm. something that vein. They probably go mystic. They'll probably make Iron Fist more cosmic based on what was happening in AVX. Mm-hmm. Right. Just bring him back. We'll figure something out later. He's yeah. just too too great a character. Well, you probably you know him from the Fraction, the Fraction run and then in Defenders. Yeah, in Defenders, both of which I loved. Yeah. So I'm I'm extremely excited if this comes to pass because it's you know. I'm also a little bit scared because the the last, I guess, probably 10 to 20 years of his existence has kind of proven out that people don't necessarily want to buy an Iron Fist book, mm-hmm. no matter how good it is. Uh, but whether or not it's a solo book with him or a team-up book or he ends up part of the Mighty Avengers or what have you, whichever way I, I want to see it, it's been odd because the last couple of months or maybe the last year, I guess, he's been kind of absent from the Marvel Universe in general. Um, after being, I mean, not having a solo series, but being a very big part of Avengers, New Avengers, mm-hmm. at least during the Bendis run. So it's interesting that he's just kind of gone right now. Yeah, but, I'd have thought that would have been the jumping off point where yeah. they were setting him up yeah. for a solo series because he had a huge part in that. Huge, and didn't, yeah. Didn't just go yeah. anywhere. Yeah. It didn't sell well when it was Claremont and Byrne. I mean, right. being honest, going back 30 years. But the Power Man Iron Fist thing, that ran for seven or eight solid years with right. them and was a really good seller for most of it. Mm-hmm. Too great a character to let languish. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we're even post-con, we've had one Marvel one-word teaser and it was, uh, I guess, Ms. Miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, just MS, just period. MS, yep. Um, no creative team and the color of the letters was green. So, Bob, I was wondering what you thought this was. Well, just because it's green, we would all assume it had to be a Hulk book, mm-hmm. but they already announced the She-Hulk book. Yeah. There have been all sorts of speculations that it's another Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. That seems awfully confusing to me to have mm-hmm. Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel running around at the same time. There's, to me, there would be a, more of a chance of it being Miss America yeah. from Young Avengers, mm-hmm. which might be interesting. But the fact that there are no creative teams listed of any sort here 
I'm thinking more anthology. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe this is the time to bring back girl comics. Right. And have four or five all-female teams writing books month by month and just showcase new talent, showcase smaller characters the way that anthology did all those years ago. In the midst of all these female-led book announcements, it seems likely to me. Yeah, I mean, that's the good point. The, the no creative team is a very good um, a very good indicator of that. You know, I was thinking about, you know, ways that they could interpret it, like, you know, Miss Tree or something like that, you know. Okay. Uh, but that's stretching it much more than what, what, what you were, were talking about. Um, Steve, what do you think? MS. Well, I, got, I got nothing. You got nothing? All I right. got nothing for that. All right. Uh, my, <laughs> money, my money would be on Bob because Bob called the Black Widow uh, book. Yeah. Uh, atonement. Yeah, I did have that. I was talked off the ledge by everyone. You though, were. So. You were, yeah. I'll tell you one thing, though. I, with all these announcements, and I know that he's busy with the new Avengers, and I can't understand why with a movie you know, on the horizon, why don't we have a Doctor Strange book yet? Yeah. That's a good. That's what I. That's point. what I want. Yeah, I'm, and I, I guarantee, not guarantee you, but I'm sure that there's still more announcements to come mm. for all new Marvel now, and I'm sure you'll get a Doctor Strange book. Uh, I, you know, the same thing with Ant Man. It's, it's yeah. interesting that there's not an Ant Man book announced yet. I think that could still very much happen, but we'll have to see. Uh, what what comes through with that? Maybe an Ant Men book, the way they did Spider Man. Yeah, well, so, was so it, a couple of them. Was it Fraction when Matt was on? He was talking about that that he mm -hmm. was working on that book yep. before the whole shift happened when he went, moved over to Fantastic Four and FF. Um, so we'll have to see what happens there. But those characters seem likely just because they've got movies coming out and they have to have seen how well uh, Guardians is doing in relation to that movie, you know, being yep. in the pipeline yep. and and coming. Right. So we'll have to see after that. That's all good news about books that are coming. Uh, we did get news, though. Uh, I think, what was it Monday? Was it Monday this week? Or was it late last week we got this news? Um, that uh, Fearless Defenders is ending with issue 12. The Bob Ryer curse lives. It does. It keeps going. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've been talking about this for a while. Obviously, the book is not selling particularly well. Um, even though it's a book that we all love very much. I mean, Bob, what did you think when you heard this news? Uh, That's what I thought. <laughs> Just such a fun book, great characters, lovely usage of Marvel history going way, way back. The same vibe that the original Defenders had, the non-team and yet it just struggled to find an audience after the first issue, a precipitous drop. Uh, was it, what, 35 40% between yeah. issue one and two? Yeah. What strikes me with all this, you know, we had some wonderful, uh, from people have sent me the, the little bits and pieces of what, what Cullen and Will were saying, you know, about how they were so thrilled to have worked on the book and thanking everybody. And they'll move on. And I think we'll see some of these characters somewhere else. It's to Marvel's credit, though, they tried it and let it run and it'll finish up a year basically by the time we're over with and then continue to launch all these sort of books that we're just discussing and at some point there'll be that tip mm -hmm. where the audience will have become more diverse just for the sake of putting these sorts of books out mm -hmm. that it may be incremental and we'll have to look back from 10 years out and say okay this was the era where Marvel particularly tried to change the course of where the books were going mm -hmm. to bring it back from it being all 35 to 45 year old guys reading comic books. Yeah. There are books that are going to have to be the casualty for that. And mm -hmm. the quality book like this, not finding an audience is really sad. 
I think we'll see these characters again and these creators married with them at some point mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Very sad to see it go though. Yeah, absolutely. Steve. Um, yeah, I, I remember I, I heard the news and I was not at all surprised by the news, but I was saddened by it. But I will say this at least at the very least it will, I'm assuming that the net, the following issues 11 and 12 will be just as solid as the rest I'm happy that it's been um, good all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just hoping that with such a abrupt cutoff that they get to finish their story and not just not just finish their arc, but kind of send the characters off in a in a way that will honor them because it was a solid series. But uh, I think it's also a shame that it's going away. Uh, you know, we spent during our time at Comic-Con, one of the things that was abundantly clear to me was the, the female population of the con this year. And a lot of the, um, female oriented panels that were going on between women of Marvel and just how to break into comics, being a female creator and such that while sitting at the women of Marvel panel, you know, Fearless Defenders got mentioned once or twice, and there were a lot of murmurs throughout the crowd of, of you know, approving murmurs and everybody kind of nodding their heads and really digging Fearless Defenders. And if that's the reaction of, of you know, a couple hundred people in a room or whatever it was, I'm curious as to where all those other readers that want more female-oriented books, where they were during this that there i mean did it just get buried was it too overwhelming with having too many characters that were unfamiliar for people to jump on uh whatever it was it's an excellent book and you know i wish the creative team well and i'm sure that like bob said we'll see the characters elsewhere and uh and things like that but uh i will i will miss it because i'll tell you i just read issue number 10 great issue uh last night and it was wonderful it, it introduced a brand new character. Love Rin. Yeah. I'll be talking about I, her I later. I yeah. with her just in in the one issue. And it's for things like that that the book really meant something to me. And uh, as sad as I am to see it go, I'm just I'm very happy that it's been solid all the way through and that even after it's done, um, it could be a, you know, a short 12-issue thing that you could hand to someone and say, if you really want to see... If you want to read a great story of, of women kicking ass, then then check this out. Yeah, so. I want the twelve issues in a hardcover with all the alternate covers. Yeah, yeah, I think that w- I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, and, you know, and, and and perhaps if they if they collected it into into one thing, if that was ever to happen, um, it could it could drum up uh, more of a want of things like that in the future. Mm-hmm. I think one of the problems is, is, as always, the it's the sheer numbers. According to the first panel I went to, Amy Chu was saying that 40% of the con attendees were women. Yeah. Which I buy walking around the room. Now, of those, uh, if there are 130,000 people, so we're talking there are 50,000 women there. It's not a monolithic group, so not everyone's reading every female-led book. But right. we're already down to... It's a segment of the population that if we go by some of the internal numbers from these companies, that their readership, uh, things like Image, I believe they're up around 30%. Mm. I think Marvel's in the somewhat more than 10, 
somewhere between 10 and 15 and DC below that. So it's hard to carve out of what's only might be 140, 150,000 dedicated comic readers, the numbers that'll make things sell unless we get everybody involved. And that's what we have to hope for moving forward, that continually putting out brand new quality books that speak to everybody in the audience will change everything around. Still leave the blood and gut books for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of action, lots of science fiction, lots of everything else. But let's if we have something for everybody, we're all better for it. We'll have more great books to read. And that's all what it's all about. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, quickly, there was, there was a couple minor shakeups over at uh, DC as far as just creative teams. Are, there's a bunch of creative teams that are about to shift. Um, we, we talked very slightly about... Uh, Brian Bucciolato and Francis Manipal taking over Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. They released an image, uh, like a cover image of them. For, it looks beautiful. You know, I, I'm very anxious to see what they do with Batman because it's such an opposite color palette uh, and tone to, to the Flash. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested mm-hmm. to see that. Uh, Jason Fabuk um, and uh, I can't remember uh, John Layman and Jason Fabuk, the team that was on Detective, is moving over and doing that Batman Eternal. Uh, weekly series oh. along with Tim Seeley and James Tinian and Scott Snyder is like basically kind of show running it in a, in a, in a way. Um, so they're moving there. Um, James Tinian is no longer writing Talon. Uh, Marguerite Bennett is taking over uh, Talon for good. She's doing a fill in on ba- uh, Batgirl. Right? As well, far it's as we know. a, uh, I'll talk about this later when we talk about Batgirl. It's another crossover. Oh, uh, okay. Is it the zero year stuff? Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I didn't know exactly what's going on there. Um, now who's taking over flash? Do we know? Yet? We don't know yet. Uh, we're getting a, a one-off, uh, Christos Gage and Neil Gouge are doing a one-off story, but we still don't know who the creative team is going to be on that. And that's one of these things. There's a lot of rumors about a lot of teams shifting and changing, and we haven't heard any of these announcements yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to hear what the shift is going to be and how, we're, what we're going to see happen there. Um, uh, the Flash, especially, because he's one of my favorite characters. I mean, the only one we really know, we know the Bucciolato uh, Manipool thing, and we know, obviously, Jeff Parker is taking over uh, on Aquaman. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in all, all of those uh, scenarios. Um, we did hear that there's going to be a uh, crossover between uh, World's Finest and Batman Superman, because uh, they're both sort of Earth 2-related books. Um, so uh, I'm interested to see what happens. That, that, that obviously means that World's Finest is not being canceled. Yeah, not yet. I'm gonna, we'll say yet. Yeah, um, but yeah. So it looks like they're having a big crossover uh, between those books. Um, there's a shot here of Huntress fighting Batman. Well, thankfully, the art in the latest issue was better. Oh yeah, still not perfect, but better. 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 All right. Um, and we got a New York Comic Con. We got announced um, uh, the death of Superboy. Aww. Um, so. so this uh, super, it's, this is this is the, right from a panel. This is Scott Lubdell talking. Superman makes the ultimate sacrifice. Superboy, sorry, makes the ultimate sacrifice, giving his life in order to stop the universe from falling apart. Um, Krypton, uh, it says it's a story arc called Krypton Returns. From Superboy number twenty-six on, the titular star of the comic will be John Lane Kent, the original son of Clark and Lois from an alternate future. Lubdell has also announced that Supergirl will be leaving the Superman family forever for another whole set of books in the DC universe. Huh. Yeah. Huh? So I don't know what any of that stuff means. Um, you know, I mean, look, this, this gets my attention shifted over on Superboy a little bit because he's a character that I love in 
uh, a lot of his incarnations, but the book has been in a, in a, uh, in the muck. And, uh, a lot of it has to do with Lobdell being the writer. It's just not a writer. I just don't like very much. And it seems like he's sticking onto it. So, you know, it's kind of a pull me one way, push me another way sort of feeling right. about it. But it does have me interested to see, well, what is this going to be like now with this new Superboy? I like the idea of the alternate future, you know, child and, and stuff like that. Silly stuff like that. Um, I say silly in a very kind of broad term, mm-hmm. you know, not silly as in stupid, just silly as in like, this is not something that would be in, you know, this does not feel like deep down, gritty, dark stuff. This this feels more like, you know, pulpy, fun stuff. Yeah. So interested in that. Yeah. Um there was a whole bunch of movie news and rumors brewing around as well. I mean, Steve, I want to get your opinion on this. Um, Ant-Man, sure. uh, it's rumored that, and there's been semi-squash, but not really, that Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Paul Rudd are the top two contenders <laughs> to play Ant-Man um, in the Edgar Wright Ant-Man film. What do you think about that? Um, I, I'll tell you this. I'll take Joseph Gordon-Levitt over Paul Rudd any day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have anything particularly against Paul Rudd, but I have seen him phone in a performance every now and again. Uh, There's something about him that just doesn't strike me as Ant-Man material. Uh, I don't know if he can pull off the science-y bits of Ant-Man's character. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I feel, has a more, uh, as he's grown up, he has a much more distinguished look to him. And his his acting range is far greater than Paul Rudd's. I mean, I I watched him recently in Looper, and watching him adapt Bruce Willis's mannerisms and speech and everything like that just really really impressed me with uh, the way that he's grown uh, since you know Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, way uh, back. Yeah. Again, like I have I have a lot of positive things to say about Joseph Gordon Levitt. I have like maybe one or two Paul Rudd has occasionally made me laugh, but that's about it. Gotcha. I want I want to save Joseph Gordon Levitt for Doctor Strange. <laughs> so I'll tell you this, let's though. not have him be Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. Neither one of them are are actors that I would have expected to be on the the possibility list for that role. I I never saw that coming. Mm. Um, you know, I think that obviously when you look at it, it's going to be an Edgar Wright movie and I think it's going to be an Edgar Wright movie through and through. So it's going to be an action comedy, uh, I think. Um, and I, listen, I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's like one of my favorite actors in the world right now. But, uh, like Bob, Bob was saying, like, I, not that I think Ant-Man would be, you know, him, a low role for him because I love Ant-Man. I think it's going to be a great movie, but I, I, there are other roles I'd rather see him play. Um, the humorous elements of uh, of Ant Man, and I, what I'm hoping is going to be a sort of uh, romantic comedy style stuff between him and Janet. Um, I think Paul Rudd could be great in that stuff. And yeah, he has had some bad performances and been in some bad movies, but generally those bad performances coincide with him being in crappy movies. Yeah. Um, Look, Chris Evans was in those Fantastic Four movies. He it was, worked out pretty well as Captain America. He did. Uh, and uh, Paul Rudd, I think, has been great in things. He's a he's actually a great actor. Um, he's been a comedian, a comedic actor for the last ten or so years, and a little before that. But um, he's a really accomplished stage actor, and I think that in the right role and with the right director and the right script, 
uh, he's an infinitely likable screen presence. And I think that's something you need uh, mm-hmm. with Hank, especially it seems like what the Hank they're going to go with. Uh, mm-hmm. And the other rumor is that Rashida Jones, who is also, you know, she's been in the office and she's in Parks and Rec right now, is being rumored uh, to play the Wasp. So, well, at least play Janet. They have not, they said that it's just she probably wouldn't be the Wasp in, in the Ant-Man movie. But we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, well, we have the human eraser. That's what I'm Yeah. Uh, there was a little bit of Batman Egg. Superman news that came out. I mean, they filmed a, a football scene, um, football. which you can yeah. see already, which is this is already beginning one of these things. And this is not a DC movie thing. This is just I, do, I don't want to see these movies leaked out in YouTube clips over the next two years. I, yeah. I, I want to see when it happens. Um, the interesting thing was they talked to the head of, of Warner Brothers and they asked him about Wonder Woman. And, you know, he said, like, look, it's not only a chance to, you know, uh, she's not only a, a great opportunity to make a, a ton of box office. She's, it's also great to have a, the, the, a really strong female superhero on screen. And they asked him about solo movies and said, we're trying to be very respectful. We're trying to do that right, right by the characters. But he said, you know, all the things that have been speculated about are things that we've thought of. So people te- took that to mean that the rumors of her being in Batman Superman mm. are, are at least on the table. Uh, I don't know if you read this quote from the head of, what do you think of it? What do you think of it, Bob? I do want Wonder Woman to show up in a movie, even though I'd prefer it not be Snyder and Goyer, right, right, certainly. Right, yeah. But let's get it started and let's get it out there to begin it. So if she has to have a cameo in this shows up at the end or Diana Prince is within mm. the movie, in one of her spy moments or whatever, yeah. fine. Let, let's establish her as part of their movie universe so we can move forward and create a movie for her. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, what do you think? Uh, same as Bob. I would, I would really, actually, if she were to turn up in the next uh, you know, Superman film, Batman Superman, that would uh, definitely get my, I mean, I'm going to go anyway, but I would be extra excited to catch her in whatever capacity whether it be large or small of a role that she plays in it that would definitely have me in the seat yeah absolutely i think it, i think it's at least there's they're at least now saying the right things well it's time yeah. you know, you know so, it's, it's been so. time and and now more than more than ever uh they need to get the ball rolling like bob said yeah absolutely um so we had a lot of news catch up on it and and we did uh like that we've already gone for an hour until just talking Ooh. about news um, obviously we're going to do our books of the week and we're going to do some listener questions but we'll do things a little differently we'll take a little break right now and we'll come back after with so, talk, catch up on the books we haven't talked about in the last two weeks and also do some listener questions And we're going to be talking about really the last two or so weeks of books that we haven't really had a chance to talk about on the show, including some relatively big stuff uh, that came out. Um, well, let's let's kick stuff off right first. I, I think that you know Bob was saying before. I mean, Hawkeye number thirteen uh, came out, and uh, this isn't. I think I mean, we loved it, but I just yeah. want to we want to converse about it. See, I don't know if you got a chance to read it yet. I know you've been. I, I actually I have. Okay, cool. Um, so it's been a while since Hawkeye. 
Yeah, was it two months? Yeah, something like that. It's been like two months. We had two books in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, and as one of the, the favorite, uh, all of our favorite books uh, for on the for their universe, it's been tough. A tough wait. Uh, Steve, what did you think of, uh, about the long this long awaited issue of Hawkeye? Um, if I'm being completely honest, uh, I enjoyed it. I, I always enjoy Hawkeye very much. So brutal, only. brutal honesty, yeah. <laughs> brutal honesty. Only, only. No, I am being. This is the honest part. Yeah. Um, I'm finding the the language and the dialogue of the book. Uh, a little bit difficult to follow at times and it's not the 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 bro bro stuff um there were conversations happening in this issue in particular that i know it's been a long time since i've you know since we've all had a a, a brand new hawkeye book but um i felt a little lost mm-hmm. but I, I i did i did appreciate that it's it's dealing with um the aftermath that we've been waiting for for quite a while uh, and it was a very kind of a very quiet and very sullen uh, issue of Hawkeye, which I think is a an interesting way to to kind of it's been gone for a while to come back kind of on a somewhat dour note was uh, an interesting choice. Uh, still very much enjoyed it, but I don't know that I, I grasped all of what was happening in the dialogue. Mm hmm. Uh, Bob. Well, with the title "The You in Funeral," mm-hmm. we were not in for a happy romp. Yeah, we're not spoiling anything. There is there was a death in the family. Yeah, a some long while back. time ago. I mean, come on. The, 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 there's a character who died. Uh, he's been dead for it's got to be like six months yeah, now at, at least at this point. Yeah, and um, we've swirled around it and, and mm-hmm. glanced at it from different directions. I sort of felt this issue was as if you had a. a a barbed fish hook that got dropped into the middle of a, a, a whole pile of meat that mm-hmm. it connected up to four or five different things at once gave you the reactions to that event, as well as to the other things that were happening before we sort of understand a little more, some of the events from Avengers assemble, whatever with mm-hmm. Jessica and Clint that, mm-hmm. that drifted back to some small conversations they had before. We're now moving forward into the next phase of this. Kate's in L.A. Mm. She's taken Lucky with her. What are the the tracksuit mafia guys going to do? What is what's coming next? See, go uh, ahead. I'm sorry. Go shoot. Uh, that's what I was confused about. I can't remember for the life of me why she's so angry with him. Uh, who, Jessica. 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 I remember all the girlfriends showing up in that one issue. But what is the the reason in particular that she's angry with him and she's leaving? Well, because uh, he slept with the round. Yeah, yeah, he slept that, with that girl. You know, the one, the uh, okay. the redhead, the, the redhead that he's like took the, stole the car, or that she right. stole his car or whatever it was. Right. right. And then he doesn't he describe her as friend girl? Yeah. Which yeah. doesn't go over very well. And you no. shouldn't say that to someone who can shoot bio venom blasts at your yeah, head. Yeah. No, you should not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The thing about this issue, which. Uh, I think this issue in particular, we, there was a couple right of of these Marvel books that got delayed. Guardians was the same way, and then we got two issues in in like two weeks. But uh, it suffered more than a lot of the other ones because this, to me, the, the this issue coupled with um, the uh, the Kate issue, the Pete's dog issue, mm-hmm. the uh, you know the issue uh, of the actual death uh, of the character. 
are all kind of one mass you know day almost in the life of, of this character and we've gotten the perspectives and this is the first time we're getting his perspective on everything that happened mm-hmm. um and and so because it came so far after it's tough to remember like i was sitting there at first and i was like wait i i kind of understand what's going on here but is this before kate mm-hmm. left for la and she's come back or is that and obviously it's not it's that scene with her him and Kate is the reason why she ends up leaving in in the first place. Um, you know, you get the thing with like the uh, you you get the other side of what, the, the pizza yeah. dog issue. Um, you get you know the other side of what ha- was happening with Barney. Um, and it, it what it did feel like to me and did a very effective job of portraying is that feeling you get when you're overloaded with any emotion, but especially grief. You know, he's kind of blinking out from this situation to that situation to this situation to that situation. And there's not a ton of connection between what's happening. He's just kind of floating through his life and these things are kind of happening around him. And that's what I got out of the issue. Uh, I mean, I still I still loved it. But see if I can clearly see where coming from, because it definitely took me an extra layer to be able to understand everything that was happening. Well, it's it's what we've talked about before, where, you know, you have so many issues together and there's so much happening and that it does have all these events do happen within a short period of time that having it having the the conclusion or the wrap up or at least the reactions or the aftermath to those events happening two months down the road. It was kind of like you're almost like you're watching a television show. And it, you know, it broke for the season. Like that was the season finale mm. when, you know, yeah. the character passed away. And now we're coming back to that first episode of the new season where you kind of remember where you left off, but you almost needed to go back and watch the last few episodes just to be sure mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And I just I haven't had those books at my disposal to kind of catch myself up again. And I felt like I was coming into the situation very cold. For, for as as much as I do feel for the circumstances, um, I felt slightly removed from them mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Yeah, no, so. I totally, totally understand where you're coming from with that. I, I got to say, for all the seriousness, I did love that Clint has a pager <laughs> yeah. that spells out Avengers when he gets, <laughs> he gets a, a beep, uh, gets a page from the Avengers to come fight. Right. I, thought, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Um, so yeah, I wanted to get that way because uh, I don't know if anybody was going to mention it, but we should talk about it because we've been waiting for it. Um, Bob, why don't you start us out officially here? Sure. Really quickly, uh, because there are 400 things here, but there I'll are... try to keep them. We, I think we are going to yeah, hook I mean, up on one of the other ones. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, new do what from, you're going to do. <laughs> new from IDW this week was mm. Triple Helix, which mm. is John Byrne and Lerno Grady on colors, Byrne on virtually everything else. And it is... A direct sequel to Trio, so those who love Trio that was out earlier in the year will really find those characters represented here, that world, and that same attitude of Silver Bronze Age superheroes with actual sound effects in the pages and captions and all that sort of stuff. We're introduced to another superhero team, and here they are Cataclysm, Pylon, Javelin, Dart, and a gorilla character called Apex, mm-hmm. which apparently he struggled <laughs> to find. He wanted Ape X and discovered mm-hmm. there were 14 of those and just said, oh, the heck with it. It's just Apex and mm-hmm. let people deal with it. Mm-hmm. We pick up at the actual, the last page of trio number four. 
mm-hmm. with Rock from Trio having had a basically a building dropped on his head, and Golgotha, the Nazi fellow with the fishbowl on his head and a flaming skull still running rampant through the city. And these other characters are sort of the Avengers Justice League sort of uh, amalgam mm. sort of characters as opposed to Trio, who I think are more supposed to be the Doom Patrol if I were laying gotcha. a Silver Age thing on them. As, uh, from a less knowledgeable perspective, to me it seems like um, like the Trio being more like the Fantastic Four and the triple helix or whatever the whatever the name of the team is mm-hmm. is more like they they felt more x-men to me okay that's what it felt like to me anyway that's just that, yeah, that, that but that that goes too yeah it's it's classic yeah he's going for this classic vibe tons of action this time around this one starts you know you hit the ground running here mm. and it just is old-fashioned fun mm. and the story will deepen. We'll, we're going to find out more of these characters. We're introduced to, for instance, Pylon in the middle. He's apparently healing from his last misadventure. And we're going to end up in a, a really neat place again. And now you add Trio to this. I'm sure he'll skip into uh, the next Highways or Doomsday before getting back to Trio and, and their adventures. Again, you love Trio. Try Triple Helix. Yeah, I'm interested. You know, you you, you pointed out something, Bob. You had the last issue of, of Trio, and then this issue mm-hmm. of Triple Helix, and uh, uh, the uh, what is he? Is he th- one? What number? He is oh, no. three. He's three. He's three. Okay, so three obviously changes like this like giant like rock monster mm-hmm. thing, bigger than even than he is when he's normal. Yeah. Um, and in the last page of Trio number four, he's brown, and right. in this, he's kind of like a aqua. Yeah, I'm not sure what's a, what that's about. Yeah, do you think it's it was unintentional? Do you think, or do you think maybe they were like, he, maybe they decided, like, oh, we like this color better? Or the way I like to think of it is, since it's from the other team's perspective, it's like just the way that they see him differently than mm-hmm. the other team. Well, there is, oh boy, it's a spoiler here. I, I mean, I hate to think that over the course of just a few months they forgot where they colored him. Though yeah. you know, Stan used to forget who's the names were, mm-hmm. which is why they all had alliterative names. So he thought if he could remember their first name, he'd remember their last name, right. which also resulted in him calling Spider-Man Peter Palmer <laughs> famously once. Uh, in this issue, Rock has had something happen to him mm-hmm. and the other team sees him differently. So I think just as you're saying, yeah. that's what we're okay. getting here. Interesting. They seems more monstrous than sort of friendly yeah. orange rock monster as yeah. he is over there. Yeah. But did you enjoy it? I know oh, yeah, you I loved really it. enjoyed Trio. Yeah, I loved it. It was it's exactly what you said. If you liked Trio, then you should definitely read Triple Helix. It's it's more of the same, but in a, in a, in a great way. There you go. Yeah. That's nothing wrong with nope. more of the same if it's good. Nope. That's absolutely right. There is nothing wrong with that. Uh, if it's, broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. No. The next book I spoke about a little bit during our Sunday recap. I think so, yeah. yeah. One, of the re- one of the recaps. One of the it's, recaps. Uh, from Image, it's uh, Rocket Girl number one, Amy Reader, Brandon Monclair. Yeah. And yeah, just sensational. I mean, I went on at length the last time, but what we have here is a 15-year-old police officer from the futures. And it's the future that the people in 1986 thought they were going to get because there's some monkeying with the time stream. And she's sent back to fix it, even though they fixed New York before. So it wasn't the cesspool that they're assuming it was. And it's the young Johansson, her name is. And I, I discovered at the panel, the 
glyph on the front of her outfit actually does mean de young in Korean, I think it oh, is. Interesting. It's one of those things you pick up. Mm-hmm. Where she's quoted as saying, just because they fixed it, that doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. And as Amy and Brandon were saying at the panel, you know, 15-year-olds have a sense of black and white, that everything is just that. And who better to have as a police force mm-hmm. than someone thinking that? This book has lots of message, and it's a really good message, but it is tons of fun with spectacular, spectacular artwork and colors. Mm-hmm. And is it, who is on coast? Is this Jordi Belair again? I don't remember. Um, it's no, just, it's just Amy. I'm sorry. Amy, Amy does everything yeah. but the actual writing. She's colors, letters, hmm. the whole thing. Just so, so beautiful. The panel layouts themselves bring action to the strip. As she does a loop-de-loop within Times Square, so do the panels. The hmm. panels that reduce down or move to the side. Just a lovely, wonderful work. Can't wait to see where this goes as she's picked up some friends in, well, our past and hmm. her her past, too. Hmm. Can't wait to go on. How about you? Uh, Steve, what did you think of it? Oh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I uh, I spoke a little bit about it at uh, the end of Comic-Con, but I did have a chance to read it on the train. And, I mean, everything that Bob said, it was super colorful, very charming, lots and lots packed with personality. Uh, the main character is is very um, fiery, and I, I it she provides a very unique perspective in regard to um police enforcement and the the state of things that she goes back to try and and fix the the time streamer fix the state of uh our society and it's i can't wait to see where it goes it's a it's a it's a really like it's a solid first issue they pack they both uh brendan montclair and amy reader managed to pack a lot of just colors and action and snarkiness and characters that you want to get to know better. Uh, it's a real solid first issue, and I'm very excited to, to see it uh, move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I loved it. Yeah, yeah I, 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 it's, it's, I love, first of all, I love that it's a miniseries because um, I don't have to worry about spending <laughs> hundreds of dollars on it, even though, it, you know, it's a great book. Uh which means I'll stick with it t- t- till the end. You know the all. I agree with everything you guys were saying about it. the 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 color the colors in it blew me away. Uh, I, I just mm-hmm. think there's there's a joy in, in the way that the book looks, and that was was a nice thing to read. You know, stacked mm-hmm. up against a lot of other stuff I was reading, and you know I love the the kind of eighty sensibility about it. I lo- what well, the, the my favorite thing about the character is that she there are there you see some she sees some things that you know she's worried about things happening here mm-hmm. but I love the way that she interacts with the authority figures uh, of of the time because she has she's not intimidated by them you know at all and right. I I love seeing characters like that I love seeing the interaction with that I love seeing the the people who think they're tough against the person who's actually tough, mm-hmm. uh, sort of dynamics. And I, I loved all that stuff. Well, she has that one line, what are you going to do, arrest me? Yeah, and she puts yeah. her hands out. Yeah. It looks all it's, cute about it, yeah. It's so, amazing. Yeah. At that panel, there was, a, I guess, just from the promo art, there was someone already cosplaying Rocket Girl. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's very, very cool. Got a lovely seat in the front, as you can imagine. <laughs> Um, um, I really oh, go ahead. No, go, go, go ahead, go, Steve. Go. Uh, I really do love the color palette of the book. It kind of reminds me if... Uh, if Amy had a uh, like a Wonka candy palette, 
mm-hmm. to choose from. Her colors are very, very bright and vibrant. And there's a there's a motion to her to her artwork. And uh, I just I really enjoy like I've been waiting for a new project from them since uh, Halloween Eve. Mm. And, you know, we all saw how how good that book was. And uh, I was very, very excited for this one. and did not disappoint. Yeah, absolutely. What's what's up next, Bob? Up next is Batgirl 24, Mm. which is still part two of the Batgirl Wanted thing and another amazing Alex Garner cover. These paintings Mm. are just spectacular. Reminds me so much of the old Doc Savage books, but we have a a Barbara in a hoodie with a dying Ricky in her arms and her father who's to blame. Mm. It is great human drama against Gail Simone and we are Fernando Passerine. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly or I'm mangling it <laughs> probably the fourth different time I've mangled it talking about this book. What we've had with, with Barbara feeling that she isn't worthy of wearing the bat anymore after the events when her brother died. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Yeah. And we've been going through here as her father is out hunting her alter ego. He obviously doesn't know. And there are consequences to this. We have a lovely scene with Alyssa as Barbara comes home. Real shame of this is, as great as this book has been, it continually gets interrupted. Mm. Events get in the way and Gail's managed to find a way to play with it. But next issue, she's not writing, for instance, as it's a zero year Mm -hmm. crossover. It's Marguerite Bennett. And then we come back for one issue and then go away again <laughs> for Gothtopia. <laughs> it has to be said that way. I apologize. And it is the way of things in publishing. Mm. It keeps the book being published. Mm. But since Batgirl is one of their better sellers, mm. could do without it. Yeah. It's I'm in the thinking. Bat family, though. <laughs> yeah. And Gail's on board, apparently, from what you read with mm. crossovers, how on board she is if the sales drop off who knows Mm. but it's a shame because as just as with hawkeye some months pass between we'll get get to see what's happening here yeah but if you were worried about it pick up issue 24 and ignore 25 (laughs) we'll see from there uh now to a sadly canceled book fearless defenders number 10 we'll we'll weep some tears yeah cullen bunn will sliney we're introduced to a brand new character, Ren Kimura, who is a dancer who has been affected by the Terrigen Mist, who turns into a real stunning new character with a very interesting power sets and her sequence fighting off Carolyn LeFay and her Doom Maidens, because Carolyn's always about... She'll, she'll fight against the Infinity Invasion, all the stuff going on, because she has her own agenda. She wants to do stuff. Mm. But Ren, in this wonderfully dancey panel that I now can't find because I'm looking for it. I think you just skipped it because I was looking at it while you were You were looking at it while I went past it. Yeah. Okay, it is just stunning in the movement on the page, the panel layouts. She is just going to be a great new character, and it's a shame we're only going to get a couple of more of these. By the trade, please do yourself a favor. The, The artwork, the story, the characterization, we have... Lots more Annabelle Riggs. We have Elsa Bloodstone running around. Still all the originals. Great, great story. Buy it. <laughs> Buy it ju- just because you should. <laughs> Steve, what did you think? I know you... Oh, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I really did. Um, not only the, the dancey panels, uh, as you had said, but her her flashback panels were particularly um, very enchanting artwork. 
the uh, the sepia tone photography mm-hmm. kind of way that they laid everything out. Uh, the idea that she's immediately complex and yes. her her narrative immediately draws you into her situation, tells you about her background. You not only do you learn about where she came from, but you learn about her desires. You learn about who she wants to be and what she's overcome to be that person and it's it's the kind of strength within a character that you can't help but enjoy and kind of envy a little bit and uh to have her be thrown into the middle of this you know ongoing and tremendous battle that all the the fearless defenders are down on the ground trying to take care of business and she just steps up to the plate in Mm -hmm. a very creative manner with these i guess strange uh like wraps or gloves that she wears yeah, with, and with razors yeah they're yeah. like almost like razor ribbons or or tendrils that um it reminded me of like i've seen a couple of um like Cirque du Soleil or oh, um, yes. like Chinese yep. theater when they have these these long ribbons on rods that they they twirl around and just a very, very majestic character right off the bat. And the the positions that she's drawn in and all these dance moves that she's performing um, are just very elegant. And it was it was a highly, highly enjoyable issue and one of the better tie ins for Infinity as well. Yeah, you really felt for the person being affected where too often in this week's Avengers Assemble, it's almost a throwaway. Mm. It could have been any other issue with someone getting getting powers and it's a fun issue Mm. it's just nothing special nothing's really tied in where this you felt a loss for her is what she had before disappeared but then there's maybe she has has new friends out of Mm. this and a new role to play awesome and she's a maniac as it says (laughs) on the floor (laughs) twice just the right way now my actual book of the week is red sonia number four Mm. Uh, a this is a character I had acquaintance with having read the Robert E. Howard story and seeing the movie, which was terrible, but you know, mm. you go there anyway, it was Arnold and it was the eighties. So mm-hmm. you did these things. And Gail Simone has so made me love this character across just four issues here with the art by Walter Giovanni, particularly uh, impressive. And here we're back to her sort of dark sister, dark Anissa going back to this quarantine city. Sonia is dying of the plague. And it's she's the only person that is apparently they're telling tales about why the city is quarantined mm-hmm. and stuff bad stuff is going on, and her bodyguards have shown up again, uh, Ayla and Nias, with what could be a cure, and as they start dragging her back on a sled or whatever it is, she's singing drunken songs and having flashbacks to all these important moments in her past back into the fighting pit and the rest of it, and you understand having had flashbacks last year to her childhood and where this, the fighting begins. Now you understand where her honor begins. She isn't just a berserker warrior. There's a deep, deeply feeling emotional woman under Mm -hmm. all this. She would probably cut my head off for saying that. (laughs) But that said, this is now not just a, what you would assume be a book of pinups of Red Sonja in armor and a sword and fighting, whatever. There's something you want to read. There are characters you care about and want to know what's going to happen. I'm completely invested in this. Have you 
I have not Check been reading out. it. No, okay. I mean, I, I only read the first issue, yeah. so I have not been uh, keeping up with it. No. Steve, I heard a ooh at your side. Well, you I've read, read issues uh, one through three. I actually tried to to get through uh, four last night and had fallen asleep. Not because of the book, though. Uh, I, that series thus far in those three issues has been phenomenal. Um, issue number three in particular mm -hmm. was uh, probably going to make it into my list uh, at the end of the year. Just great, great writing, great stuff. And I, like I said, I never knew what to expect from the character when I started reading it. I read it not because it was Red Sonia, but because it was Gail Simone. And, you know, through Gail Simone and her writing, I've fallen in love with a brand new character, to me anyway. And uh, it's also something that I can share with my friend Brendan, because he's a huge, huge fan of the character. He's been reading her for years. And now that I've jumped on with with this, uh, he and I get to discuss it at length, and it's been a lot of fun for me. So, uh, but I have yet to read number four. Hopefully, by the end of this evening, I will have uh, partaken of its many fruits. You're <laughs> gonna love it. I don't know if it's better than issue three, but it's right up there with it. No, it doesn't have to be better. It just has to be good. It is. It is that. Well, that's it for me. Awesome, uh, Steve. What about you? All right, let's see what I got here. I uh, don't have my pile of over the many weeks, but I did manage to bring a couple of uh, single-issue books with me on my trip. Um, I caught up with uh, Infinity to quite an extent. I read a, a couple of the tie-ins, including Fearless Defenders number 10, uh, Superior Spider-Man Team-Up number 4, and I've read, let me see, Avengers number 21, from, of course, from Hickman, and... Uh, issue number 11 of the new Avengers, also from Hickman. Mm -hmm. um, I got to tell you, the Infinity I am I am enjoying to to know to to know. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love the the scope of it. I love the the depth of it. I love the denseness of it. And I and. The places it's gone, the places that it's taken me uh, into the cosmos where up until this point in our two years of doing the show that I've never really gone out that far. And the tremendous cast of characters that are involved in this story, it's its several characters and races and worlds that I've never met. But I'll tell you this, these two issues, uh, I have like nosebleeds. <laughs> after reading these i read them last night and i put them down and i had to like i'd go get a glass of water i had to like pace around for a little bit and i basically just had to clear my head um i mean these books come out pretty consistently and so you don't if you're reading them you know religiously like i have been um you don't really have much of an excuse to be lost but because they are so dense that I feel like I can only read them two issues at a time, that they're such an undertaking. And the like I said, the scope is so large and there's so much happening all at once that I'm I'm starting to question what's happening in the books and as to whether or not it's going to carry beyond the event uh, without spoiling anything. I don't know if, if you guys have, have read the latest issues, but mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a character death in one of the issues and when this happened i sat there and my my jaw kind of dropped and i was in disbelief because i said to myself 
I don't know this character a whole lot, but I have read things with this character involved in the past. And this is a huge, huge character within multiple universes of the Marvel U. And according to what I read last night, this character is no longer going to be around. Now, I'm wondering if that's confined just to the Infinity event or if that's going to carry beyond this story when Infinity ends. I'd be very curious to see if this character pops up again. Do either one of you know what I'm talking about? Not offhand. No. Okay. Hmm. Which um, book was it in? I believe it was in New Avengers. Hmm. It's pretty it's pretty big. I don't want to spoil it because if people aren't aren't caught up, it's uh it's a pretty it, somebody a, a character basically has reached their end and even though the end is near, their 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 end comes premature. And I'm trying to be as, as <laughs> you know, uh, mysterious as possible. Gotcha. Um, I can move on from this conversation. Yeah. It's not it's not necessarily something I want to drag out. Um, um, but really, when you're talking about Infinity, I, I just want to say that your excuse, Steve, for not being able to handle this because it's, ri- it's written by Jonathan Hickman. That's the only excuse that yeah. you need. You can yeah. read every issue in a row and still not have a total grasp. Anyone could not have a total grasp of, of, of what he he's trying to do. I know Bob had the books out. I just want to know about what you, what you've been thinking about. Uh, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't say anti event. I'm tired of events. Mm-hmm. As we've talked about the strength and weakness of this at once is that this is basically his Avengers story. Now mm-hmm. writ large gone everywhere. His Avengers and new Avengers are so tied to this that if you just read the event, you, you're not getting it. Yeah. You know, and you have yeah. to follow his little charts and I think all of this is going to pay off we, because we're dealing with in the incursions in New Avengers, mm-hmm. which becomes the other universes, yeah. which might end up being the ultimate universe, yeah. one of them that they have mm. to destroy to get yeah. to here, beyond what Galactus is doing over there. And mm-hmm. is the hunger still over there? The cataclysms yeah. to yeah. come, right? Yeah. And yep. all the time travely things that are popping up in Battle of the Atom mm. and here too, yeah. I think we're going to tie all this together into a new set of rules for the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Yeah. which hopefully some of these characters that may have met their demise may be back mm-hmm. just because of that change, or some may slide into one universe or another. We've right. seen Angela make that yeah. leap through Guardian. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I am mean, enjoying can... this much more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Yeah. The, it was nice, the New Avengers stuff, to see it start to pay off what has been happening in the regular New Avengers book before the, the mm-hmm. event started. Uh, they did say that when they when the trade comes out, it's going to be infinity Avengers and new Avengers all packaged Perfect. into one trade. So that's the way you absolutely, mm-hmm. it, it should be. You know, what I'm interested to see is that we're a little bit more than halfway through now. And since the beginning, uh, he is, there's been this overlying thing of kind of like these voiceovers from the future being like, you know, there was, there was life and then there mm-hmm. was, you know, horrible tragedy and death and blah, blah, whatever. And right now we're kind of in we're in a slight upswing for for our our heroes. Yes. Uh, so th- there is inevitably a fall going to come. So I am anxious to see what what that's going to be. Steve, I know you tried to say something a little a bit ago. Yeah, no, I just um, I just wanted to, to clarify. I mean, I am absolutely love love loving the the story as a whole. Um, I just I 
I'm trying to psych myself up for when it's all done or when the final issue is coming out. I keep telling myself that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to I'm going to do the whole the whole mm-hmm. gamut. Mm-hmm. But just the just the thought of it makes me want to crawl into a ball <laughs> and fall on the floor and cry. Yeah. Uh, so. so what what else you got for us, Steve? Uh, let me see. I uh, one of my favorite books this week is uh, Letter Forty Four, Number One. From Charles Soule and Alberto Albuquerque, who I actually, uh, Alberto Albuquerque, I had the pleasure of interviewing at uh, New York City Comic Con this year. Uh, very cool guy. Uh, very excited to be on this book. And I'm, I kind of know why. Uh, now, have either one of you had the chance to read it? I did. I read it. I read through it in the store. I really did enjoy it. It's one of these things, though, that I'm going to buy as a trade to get all mm-hmm. of it in one shot. But I really enjoy the concept of the sort of area 51 there's something else that happened that you don't know about and there's a secret yeah well the setup the setup is that a uh a new president has been you know inaugurated and and welcomed into the white house and on his first night inside the white house he receives a letter called letter 44 from the previous president who had uh he was there for two terms so a total of eight years and in his first year of the of his presidency he basically uh, discovered that within an asteroid belt, there was a mining facility when they were doing some, you know, uh, probing and discovery of the solar system and whatever, that it came back that there existed um, what what we're supposed to assume are aliens and a race that is not from Earth that is doing basically doing business outside of, of our Earth. And a team is sent out to go and investigate. Uh, the new president learns of this space venture and basically cannot believe what he's what he's reading. And, and his his first priority of his presidency is to basically to be there for these people and to get involved in this. It's it's almost as if everything else that he's going to have to deal with upon settling into his presidency has taken a backseat to this startling realization that this is happening and he had no idea and not only did he have no idea but that no one told him prior to his being you know inducted into the white house uh he was basically you know why haven't i heard about this Mm -hmm. and even though we don't know a whole lot about him or about his past or even his family and and how he came to be elected i enjoyed getting to know him through his actions and through his concerns for these people um, and that he he immediately took a vested interest in this mission and this enterprise that they have going on that the entire world doesn't have a clue about. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also get to meet the crew of this expedition that's going to explore uh, this happenstance out in space. And they're a very uh, colorful group of people with a lot of uh, side plots that are going on a lot of intriguing uh, circumstances for them. And the book ends with a really, really powerful last page that just has me wanting to know more right away. And I will point out it's from Oni press and issue number one is only a dollar. Yeah. So huge, huge, huge uh, reason to, to go and check it out. It's only a buck. You can find that in your couch or in your, your car dashboard and mm. you can pick up this book at your, your local comic shop um, Bobby, what'd you think of it? I really, really liked it. You know, I agree with a lot of what, what you were saying, what Bob said as well about it. Um, I, I like the, 
I like this idea of their stuff we don't know, and I like that it, it focuses on at least seemingly a, uh, I guess a more Aaron Sorkin like president, mm-hmm. someone who is well intentioned and wants to do the right thing. Now, whether or not he'll end up doing the right thing, we don't know, because it seems like it's going to be a story about how idealism is all well and good until you you're faced with real decisions, and that's when it really right. your, your real character is tested. Um, I, I love the conceit. I love the conceit of the title, and that's the letter that the president leaves for the next president. It's the forty fourth president. I thought it was a a unique way of characterizing these people because basically what he does is he he swaps out real people. Like you know, it's it's basically Barack Obama coming in after George W. Bush. That's the kind of the sense you get out of what's being written. Obviously, they change the names, but mm-hmm. the way they talk about them each other. It, it is very similar to the way you would think someone would talk about uh, those presidents and wh- when they got elected and when they were out of office. Uh, you know, I love the kind of, lack of a term, like deep impact, like, you know, yeah. uh, a storyline of, of these astronauts going out. I, le- I think that the potential of a crew made up of half military, half science, I think could lead to some dynamics that were, that are very good for drama. Uh, and Steve, like you were saying, he's planted little seeds mm-hmm. for all of these characters to have subplots and relationships and, you know, uh, flaws that will lead them maybe down good roads or bad roads. But they all have, they all seem like they're people and not just this is, you know, they started living the moment he started writing yeah. the book. So right. that's, those are all very good things. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very smartly written mm. and uh, it carries with it um, some of the tone from uh, Charles Soule's other uh, book, Strange Attractors, mm. which uh, has been one of my favorites this year. And uh, I've just I've really been enjoying him. And I like I like the idea that even though he's venturing into some of these superhero books, that he does have one of his own uh creations you know now coming out and uh i'm i'm just i'm really excited to see where it goes there's a lot of potential and room for um just switching up of of characters like you said the Mm. the president could be all you know altruistic and and concern and whatever but if he finds that there's this tremendous threat on the other side of of you know this team is about to find out exactly what they're in for they could send back a broadcast about it being a major threat and he could be that president that right off of the bat of him leading the nation has to lead the nation into, you know, an interstellar war. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, that's a, that's a book that I'd love that I'd like to read. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Indeed. Um, moving on, I have two more books to talk about. Uh, I actually picked up a novel this week. I started reading Joe Hill's Horns. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really cool. I'm only uh, one of my favorite things about at least Heart Shaped Box and this book in particular. The chapters are super, super short. So no matter how little or how much I read, I feel like I've accomplished quite a bit. <laughs> um, I'm only 19 pages into it and I'm on chapter six. So awesome. <laughs> See, don't, um, don't tell the page count, just tell the chapter count. I'm yeah, ready to yeah. chapter six. Of yeah. this <laughs> so uh, for those that don't know, the book was actually recently adapted into a film. Uh, it sta- stars Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. Mm. 
as uh, I'm going to get this name right, uh, Ignatius Martin Parrish. And the setup for the book is that Ignatius wakes up one uh, one morning or one evening in a complete and total hangover. He's he's groggy. He's pissed himself. He doesn't really remember much of anything uh, except for a, a deep seated depression and longing uh, in his being. And he wakes up to find in the mirror that he has horns protruding out of his forehead. Uh, he freaks out, can't can't under can't imagine why they would be there what happened to him that 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 caused him to grow these horns and he doesn't know what they do so he has a roommate and he goes to ask the roommate if she sees anything and he quickly discovers that people that he encounters are very quick to confess things to him and tell him uh basically their every whim and desire uh things that you would you would never tell other people things that your your fetishes or things that you're into that you would you know you don't want to make public knowledge these people have are compelled and have no choice but to confess to him and even though it makes him feel uncomfortable what he's finding is that each time that he kind of buys into these these desires that these people are talking about because they're they're essentially asking his permission to to carry them out mm -hmm. they're telling they're telling him what they want what they want to do and they keep saying is this okay can i do this and they're pretty much leaving their fate up to him and each time that he indulges them and and tells them what to do the horns begin to burn and react and while doing that they actually send a kind of like an opiate through his system giving him a very um, like elated and satisfied, almost giddy feeling. And what this is telling me only a couple chapters into the book is that he's possibly some kind of a, uh, a devil of sorts and that buying into their whims and basically um, egging them on to carry out these dark desires that they have is slowly but steadily turning in him into a demonic creature. And I, knowing that Joe Hill is behind this and the incredible detail and personality, the personality that this book already has, um, I can't wait to see how far this character falls and just the disgusting crap that he basically ends up egging these people on to do. Um, and it's also a very small town book so I don't feel lost among the characters. I feel like everything's pretty close knit, which is good for me when reading a novel. And uh, I mean, I'm only a little bit into it, but so far I can wholly recommend it to people that are fans of Joe Hill or Stephen King. It's got, again, a very, very uh, solid beginning. So that's uh, Joe Hill's Horns. And I have one more book to talk about. Uh, which is my book of the week, something that I never would have picked up if our friend Rob hadn't done what he does every so often, <laughs> where he, he speaks no words, <laughs> and he yeah. just, he knows. Yeah. He just yeah. he just knows. And, um, you know, before I left for Canada, I'm getting my, my weekly haul, and, you know, there are books that you don't expect to wind up in the pile. They, they, they're there. And so he's going through the books, and he just, he says nothing, and he just tosses this book at me. And it lands in, in my pile, and it's uh, Imagine Agents number one from Boom Studios. 
It's written by Brian Joyness with art by uh, Bachan and colors by Ruth Redmond. And I mean, it's a credit to Rob and how well he knows his customers, how well he knows me in particular. I absolutely positively, I've been tweeting about it all damn week. I loved the hell out of this first issue and this book. It's a miniseries. I believe it's only four or five issues long. Um, it's tremendously good. Uh, I'll give you the setup for it really quick. It's a, imagine an agency that pe people have when you're, when you're little, you have imaginary friends. And eventually, as you grow up, as you get older, life comes into play and things change and you start to forget your imaginary friends. Well, it turns out that there's actually rules to how imaginary friends function in our world. And there exists a very almost men in black type organization that uh, houses and deals with these imaginary friends once they've outgrown their uh, their use. Oh. And so you, uh, I believe Dave and let me bring up my notes right here. Sorry about this guys. I'm a little bit out of sorts cause I'm not, don't have my usual get uh, gig in front of me. Okay. Uh, it's Dave and Terry and Dave or Terry are, like I said, they're very much men in black agents that essentially once a child reaches the age of eight years old, their imaginary friends are retired. So, you know, you create your imaginary friends or they're assigned to you. You have your adventures with them growing up. But on your eighth birthday, when you blow out your candles on your cake, they disappear. And I will tell you where this book got me. There's a moment where a little girl has an imaginary friend. He's kind of this ectoplasmic globule cutesy looking thing with a fedora hat on. And, you know, they're coloring together, they're playing outside together, they're having tea, they're doing all these, you know, imaginative and creative things with each other. And of course, it's her eighth birthday. She goes downstairs, and, you know, she asks the imaginary friend, you know, follow me, come watch me blow out my candles. And he very slowly walks down the stairs and she blows out the candles. He's standing in the, in the threshold of, of the doorway to the kitchen and as she blows out her candles, you can see him waving and he says goodbye. And she turns around and he's no longer there. I lost it. <laughs> I lost it. In those few panels, I completely got where this book was trying to go. It's tremendously funny. It's very colorful. It's very creative. And I, but in those panels, it won me over and it, stabbed me right in the heart i've never had an imaginary friend so growing up I, I never made one up i never had one but um it reminded me quite a bit of the old uh old movie drop dead fred hmm. bobby you remember that yeah oh yeah i remember drop dead fred yeah, yeah. so it, remi it reminded me a little bit of, of drop dead fred and um we come to find out that there's a, there's an imaginary friend that's basically he's able to walk between the worlds he's able to assume the imaginary friend as well as exist within the human world. And he is, he's basically unfurling a plot to merge the two and bring all of these more monstrous uh, imaginary friends into the world and basically swallow it whole. 
it is, like I said, very men in black with the whole agency. The day that you're retired, they show up and they, you know, they take you away to a somewhat of a imaginary friend retirement. Some of the imaginary friends wind up working for the agency and so on and so forth. Um, it's an incredibly, incredibly touching and, and charming setup for a story. Uh, if you can find it in your stores, I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. If you've ever had an imaginary friend or, or just know what it's like to, to want to have one or create one of, of your own, or may, perhaps you have children that have imaginary friends, this book will get you. Uh, I guarantee you that. So uh, Imagine Agents number one from Boom Studios is my favorite book of the week. All right. It sounds like a Pixar movie. You know, it sounds yeah, like it's, Monsters, Inc. or Toy Story in a hmm. lot of ways. It's funny. It's been um, it's been compared. It says um, in here, it's uh, from CBR.com. It says, why you will love it. Uh, big action and bigger fun in the vein of Men in Black and Who Framed Roger Rabbit with hmm. a dash of chew. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you've got, you know, 30-foot-tall rock monsters. You've got 400-pound uh, uh, muscle man ragdolls in the vein of Raggedy Ann and Andy. And, you know, teeny tiny little three-year-old girls with these, you know, two-story tall imaginary friends of these Raggedy Ann and Andy dolls with, you know, their eyes falling out and stuffing popping out everywhere. But their their disposition and their love for these children can all be felt within this first issue. And it, it's it almost feels like a double-sized issue because there's so much substance to it. Mm. Uh, I highly, highly recommend it. It was wonderful, and I can't wait to check out the rest of the series. I don't know. Since I lose it when I still hear Peter, Paul, and Mary's Puff the Magic Dragon, we get <laughs> to the end of the song. I think I'm going to have to bring Kleenex for this one, right? Oh, Bob, Bob, I'm telling you, those panels, when that when that thing was standing in the doorway and he waved goodbye, and as she's blowing out the candles and you can see, see him in the artwork fading away, and then she oh. turns around and is like, where'd you go? And then they hand her a present and she turns back around and she's distracted once again. Right in that moment, she forgets about him. Oh. And it was, it, it, it knocked me over. So good. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Um, is that it, Steve? Yep, that's all, all right. for me. All right, cool. Um, so, real quick for me, uh, I just want to mention three, which is the new image series from uh, Kieran Gillen, uh, Ryan and Ryan Kelly with uh, Jordi Belair on colors and Clayton Cowles on letters. Um, it's a Sparta story, and, and when you read the, the back of the book when he's kind of talking about why he did it, he basically wanted to do a story that said, look, uh, you know, the story of Sparta and the, and, um, the 300 is, is is a very heroic story. It's like, however, it's pretty much a load of bullshit. And here is, <laughs> and here is what it really was like. You know, it was still a, a you know, that battle, he, that, they don't really deal with that battle here. This is an aftermath of that battle. Um, but the thing about Sparta, which you see in this book is that it, you know, in, in like in the movie or in the, you know, the graphic novel of 300, it's all, he's all, we're, we're fighting for our, to remain free men, you know, like we don't want to be slaves and, but they had, you know, the like an entire class that was only slaves in Sparta at the time. And a lot of them were fighting at Thermopylae mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's a, it's about class warfare and all this other, and stuff like this. Um, I am, I, there's something about sword and sandal stuff 
that generally does not uh, take to me very well. I mean, there's stuff like I loved Rome, uh, uh, which is a little bit more in line with this, I'd say. However, because of my, I guess, aversion to to this kind of story, I am probably not going to keep picking it up. However, if you like that kind of story, it's a really, really solid Ooh. story with great art, um, and it's very, very vicious, What like you'd expect with something that is about this kind of... Uh, not having tea. No, there's no, there's no having tea. Um, lots of killing, and you know, I'm sure there'll be women being raped and stuff like that, uh, because that's what happens in in these kind of stories and happened back then. It's it's has a lot of historical accuracy about it, so it's an interesting read. And if, and if you're interested in that time period, I'd say it's a th- something to pick pick up. I was more interested reading the the letter in the back about why he did it <laughs> than reading the book, just because I, you know, I'm more about the process stuff. But it's a cool book. Um, really quick, I want to go over some of the. Uh, Forever Evil stuff. Both I thought uh, Rogue's Rebellion and Arkham War uh, were good. I thought Rogue's Rebellion was uh, better than Arkham War because it just <clears throat> it had more of a, a immediate direction. You know, it, it was much more like okay, the Rogues get back to Central City. It's been dest- it's been destroyed by Grodd, uh, so they decide they're not on board with this whole thing, and they're going to fight back and save their city. Uh, you know, really great stuff from all of the characters there, you know, a great action scene at the end with Mirror Master and Captain Cold and, uh, you know, the use of their powers and their camaraderie and, uh, it was a very, very solid issue. Uh, Brian Butchlotto wrote it and Patrick Zercher, who did the last issue of The Flash as well, he did, um, The Future of Suicide Squad with Alesh Kot and he also did Shadow Man for a while. Great, great looking art. So I recommend that if you're on the fence about these tie-ins. Rogue's Rebellion was very good. Uh, Justice League of America, number eight, Matt Kent and uh, Doug Mankey. Uh, we get to see what has happened to at least some of the Justice League in the wake of Forever Evil. Uh, and we find out that a, a chunk of them are stuck in um, kind of a mind prison, basically. And uh, Martian Manhunter is trying to nav- navigate his way through the prison to try to free people and so what you get is a bunch of you know rooms that are tailored towards the kind of you know the individual nightmares of each of our heroes uh and uh so you know wonder woman is besieged by constant war that she that she can't escape um you know uh the basically uh like uh shazam captain marvel's id hit the kind of the young boy has been is kind of ruling the rooster now and he just he all the the power and everything he just wants more and more of it and he can't stop himself uh the flash is constantly running can't he he's running faster and faster and faster to try to save as many people as he can and he and he just can't um superman is caught in this loop where you know he he feels like he he killed somebody so he needs to keep atoning and atoning and atoning for it uh really you know, he did a really great job of it being not advancing the story of Forever Evil at all, but still filling in a lot of holes and being a really good character piece for all these characters we haven't seen in, in a couple of months. Mm. So I, I found it very, very entertaining uh, and well worth the read and excited about Matt Kent taking that book forward. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, now, these are kind of these next two are the, 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 the books books of the, of the last two weeks. Uh, one of them is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. Which, Steve, did you get a chance to read this yet? I don't, but that's also on the docket for tonight. Okay. Um, so 
if you guys read Guardians number six, we know that it was a big, it was a, it was a battle book between Gamora and Angela, and then the other Guardians joined in. And at the end of that book, they take Angela prisoner. And this is sort of that, you know, like a better term, like the, the Hannibal Lecter, the Loki scene where she's in a in a cage, and they're interrogating her. But it goes exactly the opposite direction which, which I expected mm. it to, which I expect her to be this kind of, um, uh, <clears throat> I guess almost noble savage or, or, but more just, you know, angry and loud and lashing out and the big disconnect with, with, with the guardians and the people that she's talking to. But instead what you get is a, a very layered, very deep conversation between <clears throat> the, the two parties, uh, and what you would discover is that, yes, you know, Angela was ripped from her dimension uh, and brought here, and she's upset about it, but she also is incredibly intrigued because, you know, she's from heaven, and in her dimension, in that heaven dimension, Earth is thought of the same way that heaven is here, which is, she doesn't know if it's a real place, she's heard stories about it, and now she comes here and she hears people talking about it, and when you know, when this dimensional rift happened at the end of Age of Ultron, she saw it. And so all she's wanted to do is get there and see it. You know, all she wants to know, know if, if it's real. That's very Gaiman-esque. Yeah, yeah. it is very Gaiman-esque. And she she gets, and when she finally gets there and we, we see it, you know, her taking in what looks like normal New York to her is this amazing marvel, you know, and she sees some of our heroes flying around and it's, it, it's it was a an emotional issue which I did not expect and had a lot of light touches where I, ex- I expected more of a hammer. Uh, really, really loved it. Um, and you know, we you mentioned earlier the 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 Miss the the MS uh, mm-hmm. teaser and one of the rumors was the Miss Marvel thing. One of those rumors was that Angela was going to become the new Miss Marvel, and I still don't think that's what's going to be it. But before I read this issue, I. I couldn't have cared less about her getting a solo right. series. And now after reading this issue, that number one, whatever it's called, if she has a solo series, I will be buying that number one wow. with anticipation after reading this, this issue. Um, <clears throat> really, really great stuff. Um, and the Sarah Pacelli art, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so uh, battle of the atom, which we haven't talked about in a couple weeks, obviously, cause we've been away and there's been three issues of the book since <laughs> Since we last did a podcast. Um, so with the, the first of those issues, issue six, well, issue five and issue six, uh, to some extent, slowed things down a lot and kind of took us very granular in, in situations that were happening. And there were well-written issues. And issue six especially took us into the future to see what were these these uh, new X-Men, uh, where they came from. Uh and we a lot of revelations there. I'm not going to spoil what those revelations are because people are going to want to uh, read it if they're if they're waiting on this. But there was felt like a little bit of a holding pattern. Um, but issue six complete issue seven, sorry, uh, which is what would be X Men uh, number six, completely turned that around, and the the series just went you know whole hog pedal to the metal. Great things with the, the with the new x-men and the original x-men and, and the current x-men have all started to come to a head and we get uh, some other travelers from the future and we get some reveals about who they are and um fans of the brian Wynn x-men book even the first couple of issues will be very happy to we'll be very happy to see some of the things that are happening here uh we get 
we one of the things I liked about this, the Battle of the Atom, is that each of the selective issues, whether it be X-Men or Uncanny X-Men or all new X-Men, have tended to deal and focus on the characters that are prevalent in their books when they're not part of this crossover. So in this issue, they're at the Jean Grey school and this is X-Men. Uh, and we get to see Rachel and um, uh, Jubilee uh, and Psylocke, you know, fighting, kicking some ass um, and, and doing their thing in, in a really awesome battle scene. You know, we get reveals about who characters are and, and necessarily, you know, uh, aren't who they seem to be. And there's some fun intonations about uh, maybe who characters end up romantically with in the future because you see some of their offspring uh, coming back. Um, as part of those uh, those uh, new X Men, but there's one line and I gotta find it because it, it's just a it's a really really great line, um, uh, and I'll find it in a second. Oh here no here it is. So uh, there there's a big battle going on in the school and you know one of the characters is fighting their character and all of a sudden a big like you know purple pink you know uh, mace comes flying out and hits somebody in the head and it's Psylocke you know and Frey and she goes that ball weighs ninety pounds and I swung it one handed. And th- and think and I think this baby just pooped. Being a mom is easy. <laughs> and the baby goes, "Buh." Oh, Shogo. Um, That's what Shogo said. Yeah. Uh, so and we get we get a great kind of uh, mental battle between uh, two telepath, which is which is very cool, which we've seen a little bit earlier. And then um, Uncanny X Men number eight as well. Again, just we're going full hog here. We're in midst of big battle, and we get really great stuff with uh, magic. Um, and Colossus and, uh, you know, the interventional travel and the, the, the messing up of the, of the time streams and just how messed up, uh, they actually are. Um, all the X-Men are in one place now, whether it be, you know, uh, Scott and, and his team and Logan and his team and the new X-Men and the original X-Men. So everything's coming to head. We got two parts left. Um, it, it's, it, it's ending with a bang as long as we keep going the way uh, that we're going here. Um, and it was interesting, you know, I t- when you talked about, we talked to Chris Claremont this past week and when you spoke about Excalibur the week before, it's funny how many of those things I, I see now just from talking to you in the stuff that I'm mm-hmm. reading now. Uh, Steve, have you been caught up on Battle of the Atom? I have, t- I'm two issues out. Okay. So uh, I did see the mental battle, mm. the telepath battle, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but that was the last, okay. I believe. Yeah, two two chapters out. I am. Okay, and we got a new chapter obviously this Wednesday, and then the last one is next week. Uh, it's it's been it's been a ton of fun, and it's really the first X Men event that I've been uh, reading. You know, all in on it's it's been a great experience. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's Battle of the Atom. Uh, next. I got to talk about Afterlife with Archie. Hysterical. Uh, oh, I want that so bad. I, I so regret not picking that up. Uh, you know, this is, uh, I'm going to m- mess up his name, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, I'm going to say, um, who we talked about a few weeks ago, I mean, a couple of months ago now, when Joey was on, he was talking about the uh, uh, Marvel, Knights. Marvel Knights Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. and uh, artwork by uh, Francesco Francavilla, who we've talked about a lot uh, in in the last year. Um and Afterlife with Archie is about a zombie uh, breakout that comes to oh god the town what's the name River, of the town Riverdale Riverdale I was in called Riverside and I knew that was wrong so I do it uh, 
And the interesting thing about this book is that a the artwork is beautiful and amazing. Um, the but the funny thing about it is that there is some archness to it only because no, that's not a pun. Uh, is because it's dealing with these ultra famous characters and ultra famous scenarios and relationships. But it's taken extremely. It's not played with a wink. You know, it's played straight. It, no. it, it's taking the characters seriously and taking what's happening to them seriously. This isn't Archie meets the Punisher, which they did right. some years no. ago. What's interesting to me is they are recognizably Archie, Betty, Veronica, yeah. Jughead, so mm. on and so forth, and yet they're not. Right. <laughs> which is an amazing juggling act mm. that he pulled off here. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you the the Archie, Betty, and Veronica stuff isn't. We get we get some yep. of that here. You know, but there's an, the opening. It was that opening scene that got me right because it's it, it's a relationship that's been going on in the Archie books for, for forever. You know, and it's an emotional moment. Jughead shows up at that door, knocks on the door, and he's got tears in his eyes, and he's holding a, a character in his arms. It's an emotional moment, you know, and. and it, it, again, it's not played for laughs, and there are some laughs in the book, but it's done more in that kind of, um, you know, Shaun of the Dead style, where it, it's taking what's going on seriously. Just some of it's funny because hey, it's Archie, right. so it's going to be funny to see them doing what they're doing here. You know, uh, Sabrina, very really great yes. stuff with Sabrina in there. Um, a very nice uh, Pet Cemetery uh, mm-hmm. shout out. A uh, uh, Dead is Better a uh, shout yeah. out there, but uh, re- really great. I mean, I recommend anybody look. I think the first issue is going to be tough to find. Because not there weren't there weren't a lot put out there, and it's one of those books that once people kind of understood what it was, it disappeared very very quickly. So if you can, Shit. <laughs> if you can go out into your comic book stores and find it, I recommend it. I'm sure there'll be a second printing. Uh, oh. But sorry, Steve, go ahead. No, you know what pisses me off is that the entire time that Bob and I were standing. Uh, waiting for Kelly Sue to be done with her Marvel signing at the Wheel of Fine booth. Mm. Uh, we were standing next to the Archie booth, mm-hmm. and it was right there the whole time. <laughs> Piles of them. Copies. Piles of them. <laughs> and I did not pick one of them up because I was very dumb. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. Um, and I think it's a four-issue book, I think. I think so. Um, just really excited. And it all came out of the fact that uh, – a couple, I think it was earlier this year. Frank Avelli did a did a variant cover for Life with Archie, that was an ad for Life with yeah. Archie variant, and it was so popular they decided to do do a series out mm. of it. So definitely pick that, pick that up, especially now the Halloween. We've had we've had a couple of very good Halloween themed books come out in in these last couple of weeks mm. for you guys to check out. Um, finishing off with some DC stuff, got to talk about Batman number twenty four, uh, giant issue, huge issue, uh, seven dollar issue of Batman, but it is tremendously uh worth the worth the price um you know we dealt with a lot of uh daylight colors i'd say in 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 the first in the first volume of of zero year which was surprising in its own right to see batman out in the day and everything very very bright here it's almost we're almost at dusk and there are some i mean uh, the use of like the sunset colors and i'm just showing bob right here is like Batman against a bright yellow background in its kind of classic, you know, giant ears kind Mm -hmm. of pose. Um, Just stark and and, and wonderful. There, there are some pages that look like, you know, dark Knight returns and like their, their, uh, the news reports. Um, You know, we, we see 
we see Batman getting a new costume for, for one thing. And we get hints of the creation of the Joker here. You know, we, we get the final showdown between uh, Bruce uh, slash Batman and, and the leader of the Red Hood gang. And we see him laying the seeds for him, for him separating Bruce Wayne from Batman. You know, they address directly the fact that, look, who's the first person they're going to think, you know, is Batman. We have to separate these two things out. Uh, We, we, you know, we've, in the few issues we've done this, we've seen Bruce come back from being so brash and bold and start to move more towards being the Bruce that we know. Um, We see the seeds of the relationship between Gordon and him starting to to come together. Um, It, you know, it is... Uh, predictably <laughs> very very good but it, for such a giant issue and, and such a important issue uh it nails it he completely nails the landing on this kind of first part uh, of zero year steve are you caught up with batman yes i am and what do you think of this issue oh it was awesome mm. it was awesome um i believe scott snyder uh tweeted saying that it's his favorite thing that he's ever written ever oh wow yeah <laughs> Um, certainly, uh, it Batman related for mm. sure. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I had no spoilers before reading it, but the, there was a, there was a huge, huge internet reaction to it before I had had the opportunity to read it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people seemed like blown away by the, the events of the book. And then upon reading it, um, it just seemed like the it seemed like a very natural progression mm-hmm. to yeah. me and not the like surprised wow moment that I was expecting from word of mouth. But as far as execution, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he did. He nailed it. And one of the things that I found very interesting is that even though we know Joker's history uh, or, you know, not in this continuity, but in mm-hmm. the past of him being a part of the Red Hood gang and such, it wasn't until this issue that he really started to display Joker-like qualities. Yeah. Um, in in his his speech and especially the laughing, because mm-hmm. uh, he's been in this whole thing from the from the start, and this was the first issue where he started to let a couple of those chuckles, you know, come out of him, and then during that that pivotal scene and that that big you know that big battle he really just, he turned that corner. And for me, that was, that was the most exciting. I mean, as great as the issue was, that was the most exciting bits of it for me because I felt like I was, I was bearing witness to the, the creation and that, that precise, those precise moments Mm -hmm. where he, he flashes over into that persona where, where the Joker is really born. Um, and it was as much as I've heard the story before, Scott Snyder managed to do it in a way that it was still, you know, exciting for me to read. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can, you can see it start to happen, right? There's that moment where he's on the helicopter and he says, so long bats. Like that's when you start to feel it. Right. And, you know, uh, um, and again, I want to, I want to say, I think the, um, the color, I can never say his name, right. It's like FCO. Um, hold on a second here. I got to find the title page. Um, FCO Placencia. I think I, th- that's how Sounds you say good. his name. Yeah. Uh, 
the colors are freaking amazing. And Greg Capullo is again, you know, knocking it out of the park. Um, there's this moment, right, where he, he's, they're fighting in the Ace Chemical Factory. You know, it is, like you were saying, Steve, it feels like a natural progression. It feels a lot, it feels just like a tweak on what we, we already know ha- has happened. But mm-hmm. there's a game where, where he starts, Red Hood guy starts, you know, starts monologuing, and Hatman, Batman just says, shut up, and he headbutts him. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just, you know, I love it. I, I love those moments, because those are, those are the two sides of Batman, right? There, you, in this issue, you get to see him being a detective and figuring out like what the hell is going on and where to go and, and how to set us up. And you see the genius, but you also see the fact that he just wants to sometimes he just punches crime in the face, you know, and he, and he does that crime. here. Exactly. <laughs> Shut up crime, which is basically what he's saying yeah. to him, you know? Um, and there's that great moment. And, you know, if you guys don't want to hear a line, if you haven't read it yet, you know, I would say tune out for two minutes, but, uh, there's a, he's the 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 catwalk is falling and he's reaching his hand. Batman's trying to save him. He's reaching his hands down and he says, "Come on now, it's over." And he says, "Ha! Wouldn't you like to think so? No, see, it's only just beginning." With this giant smile on his face, and he lets himself fall into the into the vat. Ugh! It's and goopy green. It's goopy green. And then we get you know we get a we get Batman in the cave and it it, it happening. But it, it it's awesome you know and, it, and it's exactly what you would hope from what this uh, this uh i don't i don't want to call it an event but but the, this storyline that, that scott snyder has been working with for the last few issues here um and finally my book of the last couple of weeks and it's funny because it feels like issue is it feels like episode one because <laughs> i'm talking about batman and it's animal man number 24 um jeff lemire and Raphael albuquerque this is albuquerque's first uh, issue of Animal Man, and man, there could not be a better fit for this book than Raphael Albuquerque. Um, Steve, I don't know if you've read it yet. No, I haven't had the chance. I was about halfway through issue number twenty when I had to leave the house and and just never picked it up again. Mm. I have to go back. Uh, it's been great. The last few issues have been great, but um, Albuquerque taking over. It's the horror aspects of it. Just you know. They just come out, uh, and Steve Pugh's been doing a great job, and Travel Foreman was great on the book. But I mean, this when you when you see this, you're gonna think this is the way it always should have looked. Um, and oh man, is there a freaking emotional punch in the mouth that happens? And it's not initially, a, it's not a bad one. It's not like it's not like it has been in the past for the book. But there is one. You're reading the book, and you're like, oh, this is a great horror story. Oh my god, so it's exciting. And then you turn to a page. And I was crying. Uh, Yeah, it's wonderful. And I'll just say this. This issue proves more than anything else, more than anything else we say in criticism, why characters being married does not reduce drama in in the slightest. Um, If you've been reading what Buddy's been going through the last six months of this book, this moment in the book will, will get you. Whether you cry or not, that's a different story, but it will definitely hit you uh, in a soft spot, uh, Animal Man number 24. So, uh, yeah. Well, i got to get my iPad. Hold on a second so I can get some listening. Oh, it's 24. Questions. So 23 is the one that I haven't read all the way through then. Okay. All right, I'm not as far behind as I thought. Yeah, um, well, there, yeah because there was no issue uh, last month because th- there was right. no – because of the Villains Month. Um, all right here, so – 
Let's get a little couple of listener questions before we get we get out of here. Um, this is from Dan Scholes. He's in this on on Facebook, and he says, "Hi gang, I love the podcast. Thanks to you, I'll be rebuilding my old FF collection. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a while, but I look forward to the challenge." And he said, "You also have to get sex criminals when I go by my local comic book store. Is there an is there an online auction you would recommend? Wish me luck and thank me thank you for thank you for helping me rekindle my collector spirit. I suppose he means for rebuilding his mm-hmm. Fantastic Four collection." Uh, always everyone runs to eBay and I offer, but the mm. other site that we talked about last year after shows with Nerdtacular. Okay. I don't think they're up yet. Mm. They were they're doing a Kickstarter to get funding. I don't think they're up yet. I am going to make a note. I don't have their card with me, but that was a site for c- collectors made by collectors. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, interesting. Okay. So I am going to make sure I get that up. And find it, mm. but I thought it was nerdtacular. Nerdtacular, okay. Yeah, we would have talked about it after last oh. year's show. It's a specialty auction site. Okay, awesome. Uh, Steve, do you ever do any eBay stuff for your books? I I, I don't, but um, I can recommend a website if he's looking to pick up individual issues at tremendously low price. Damn, I sound like a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> um, check uh, check out mycomicshop.com. Okay. I have found a I have I have filled in whole runs using uh, using their shop. And uh, if you spend, I believe it's it's fifty dollars equals free shipping. The amount of books that I've been able to get for those fifty dollars has been staggering. I mean, I'm talking like thirty six, forty two individual issues Mm -hmm. for, you know, for the fifty dollars worth. And I cut myself off. You can go above and beyond that if you choose. But um, one of the things that I do like about them is that um, they have different price points for their comics. They have, you know, sometimes multiple comics of that issue that you're looking for in different conditions. Mm -hmm. So you actually get to pay what you want based on the condition of the book that you choose. You can choose first printing, second, third, fourth, whatever. All of the information is there. And the quality of each book is guaranteed. Um, I've had one problem with them in the past. I've ordered from them several times, and they cleared it up instantly. So um, very reputable website. That's uh, mycomicshop.com. Awesome. Awesome. Um, this, is, this, is a, uh, this is an old DC, but I don't know if you read this book. Somebody asked a specific book, I and mean, I guess we, we haven't talked about it because I didn't read it. But see, did you end, end up getting the all-new X-Men special? No, you didn't. No, I did not. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we had we had a listener, Dave, who read it, who really loved it, and he wanted to know if we had read it. But I did not pick it up either. It was a particularly heavy week that week. I remember. So that's yeah, it was I... one of those. It was one of those five dollar, uh, you know, five to seven dollar issues that I just couldn't afford that particular week. It did look quite cool. I remember the cover of it distinctly. Um, mm-hmm. It's just unfortunately one of those books that didn't make it to the final cut. Okay. Awesome. All right. Um, this is from, this is from Rob, and we we had asked uh, at the beginning of Villains Month if you read anything that you think is really good, let us know any gems. Um, uh, he said he really liked Firstborn, which was I believe the Wonder Woman mm-hmm. written by Brian Azzarello. Uh, the artist goes by AC, ACO, who he's not familiar with. This book has the look and feel of Hawkeye. Simple, bold graphics. It really took me by surprise. I don't read Wonder Woman, and I'm not sure if this is the normal team, but but I uh, but I'm there if it is. Um, so thank you, Rob, for for pointing that out uh, uh, for us. Um, 
Uh, wait, here we go. This is from Ethan, and he says, I don't know if you guys have ever answered this before, but what are some of your favorite non-fiction books about comics? I know Bob can answer this. I'll be there for three or four days. Yeah. Uh, the first <laughs> book I ever read about the history of comics was by Jules Pfeiffer, the fellow who draws cartoons for The Village Voice, mm. and it was the great comic book heroes. And it has been reprinted since, but now it doesn't have the reprinted stories. It was the origins of Superman, Batman, Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman, the Human Torch, the mm. Submariner, and the Spirit all in one volume. There's also All in Color for a Dime, which takes in a lot of stuff. Jim Steranko's two volumes, History of the Comics, are both very, very good. Mm. Uh, Gerard Jones' comic book Heroes mm. is classic. Trina Robbins' Great Women Superheroes, mm. another goodie. That's you know, you're you're covering a lot of ground. Recently was Marvel the Untold Story. Mm. There were those Mike Benton books that set it into Heroes the Golden Age, Silver Age, mm. science fiction, horror, and so on and so forth. Uh if your focus is comics and not just superheroes, you need to look differently. Most of these are about superheroes. Mm. But really Steranko's two volumes of the histories, which he was hesitant to make an announcement. It seems like there's some movement about reprinting those because the first one's been out of print for about 30 years. Mm. Very dense, tons of artwork, and they're huge oversized tabloid things. Mm -hmm. Monstrous books. That Way too many recommendations to help you, but those are all good ones. Those, Yeah, and you're, I think you're the only one of the three of us who could give that recommendation. So, yes. Um, <laughs> you, you, uh, well, you know, if... Ethan, if you want, you know, email Bob. I'm sure he'll mm -hmm. he'll send you sure. a list. Uh, obviously, Bob Ryder at TalkingComicBooks.com. Um, this is from Benji, and he's in the the subject of his email is by Odin's beard. Help me. Um, <laughs> he says, "Hi guys, I listen to your show weekly and have and have for some time, and I love it. One thing I appreciate is that I disagree with all of you as much as I agree with you on some things." But you guys approach it in a way that is that is not insulting to people's taste, which is something comic fans have a tendency to suck at. Um, <laughs> Thank uh, you. Um, so uh, he he goes. Let's uh, try not to do that here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he goes. I need your help. Um, he just finished reading Thor: God of Thunder volumes one and two, and mm -hmm. tracked down and read issues twelve through fourteen and added it to his pull list. But he needs more Asgard. I have tried and failed to get into Thor in the past, but this series has hit me in a way that I haven't experienced since the Immortal Iron Fist and Winter Soldier. So I need to know where I'm not looking. What is another, another Thor series worth reading or a Thor-based uh, uh, series? So I'm guessing it means like an Asgard-based uh, series. Um, Bob? In the more modern era, honestly, Walt Simonson, mm. which is Thor 337. He did, I don't know, three years, I guess, on the book. And always dragged in as much mythology as he could and then introduced new characters. He Beta Ray Bill, so on and so forth. For Asgard, per se, used to be a backup feature in Journey, the original Journey to Mystery, which was Tales of Asgard. It was Stanley and Jack Kirby. And those have been reprinted in a trade paperback. Mm -hmm. And it's the backstory of all those other characters. It's Sif and Boulder and Volstagg and the Warriors 3 and Loki and... Thor and Loki as kids, and that's a good base for everything else that follows. And I think you can, those can be had six, eight dollars, you know, Amazon second sellers. Mm -hmm. That might be a way to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, Steve and I have talked, um, obviously, ad nauseum about Journey into Mystery. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, both of us about the Kieran Gillen version. I'll, I'll say, I'll, I will let Steve talk about the, um, 
the uh, 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 Catherine Immerman uh, version of it as well. But yeah, I mean, if you're looking for Asgard-based stuff, uh, the Journey to Mystery, Kieran Gillen run, uh, which starts right after Fear Itself, I, I believe, or in the midst of Fear Itself, I guess is, is when it starts, um, is one of the best things I've read since uh, starting reading comics again. Uh, it yep. ties in all of the Asgardian stuff that you want. It has plenty of Thor uh, in it, you know, sometimes star- co-starring in issues, but he's always a specter over everything that happens in, in all of those issues. Um, it will fill in your knowledge of that area um, very, very well. Um, you know, you'll learn about characters you won't probably learn about in the mainline Thor book. Um, and, and Kid Loki, however long he's going to be around, uh, is, I, I think, one of the best decisions they made uh, character-wise for one of their major players in a, in a very, very mm-hmm. long time. So you can't go wrong with Journey into Mystery. Uh, Steve, why don't you talk a little bit about the the recently canceled version of journey into mystery. Um, well, if anybody, if, uh, you've anybody's had the chance to read my piece of, uh, farewell to journey into mystery on the site, uh, you'll know that I was a huge, huge fan of the Catherine Eminem series, uh, that was recently canceled. It is, I mean, if you're looking for Asgard, you'll, you'll be able to explore parts of Asgard that in my experience with Thor and with journey into mystery, the previous series by Kieran Gillen, uh, you get to journey into places that we've never gone before, which was really cool. You get to meet monsters that have never been a part of the uh, Thorverse in the past, and you get a tremendously badass character uh, out of Sif. She is she takes you know front and center, and goes into berserker mode for the first arc, and then gets involved in all kinds of cosmic space stuff. It's a love story for the second arc. And uh, it's just, a, for lack of a better word, it's a real tremendous journey for that character and especially for Asgardian uh, themes in general. But um, I also want to point out that uh, just recently there was a reprinting. I'm going to try to see who it was written by if I open it. Are you, are you talking about grab, the one that but, Rob told us yeah. was the best Thor story? <laughs> Yep, the best Thor yeah. story, uh, written by Roger Langridge with art by Chris Samney, mm. oh ho, uh, <laughs> called Thor and the Mighty Avengers. Uh, this was recently reprinted over the last two or three weeks, and apparently, according to our good friend Rob, it is the best Thor story ever in the history of ever. <laughs> so, if you're looking for, I don't know if you can get a better recommendation than that for mm-hmm. Asgardian stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not read it yet, but I I trust Rob's opinion wholeheartedly. So I am very much looking forward to it. And perhaps you want to check it out. Mm. Of course, he's also always a major player in all of the Avengers books and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So if you're ever looking for at least anything ancillary like that, he he exists um, over there. I was actually looking that up, Steve. Because I wasn't yeah. sure if you're going to bring it up. So, and if, yeah. if you want an incredible, I mean, I don't know if you're reading Infinity, but there is an incredible Thor moment uh, yes. in, I believe, Number Infinity four, Book yeah. Four. Oh my God, that's a crazy! How awesome crazy, was that? It's an amazing moment. I li- I did like a little fist pump like when it when it <laughs> Dude, happened. I did the same thing. Yeah. And it um, I was like, yeah, exactly. I was like, that is pretty awesome. I made I made my own sound effects. <laughs> um. Yeah. So th- those moments happen. Obviously especially in the last couple of years, he's become even more major player because of the movie popularity. But uh, yeah, those are some good recommendations and enough to keep you busy uh, for a while. And also I, I'm pretty sure sh- 
most likely all of those things, or at least a chunk of those things, is available uh, Marvel Unlimited if you're a member there. So check back on there. Um, now this is from um, this is from Bill, um, who has his own site, Cinema52.com, um, and he wanted to know. Uh, do we think that a shared universe with its own underlying sets of rules is limiting to comic book writers and artists? If somebody has a great idea for a run or on a particular character, but it only works in a universe without say magic or aliens, is it up to them to simply drop the story, make it work within the universe, bend the rules, break the rules and let someone else cover the whole or, or write a similar character that doesn't infringe on copyright and take it to a company without a shared universe. Bob, what do you think about this? In the old days when you had a contract and worked for a company, you played by their rules. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't that option of going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. In some ways, those, the shared universe, we were talking about the Marvel one, for instance, it was the springboard for all those sorts of stories. Mm -hmm. It wasn't limiting as much as it was uh, freeing. Mm -hmm. If you're writing a character that doesn't fit within that universe, if you do have the option to take it somewhere else, great. But wouldn't it be fun to be able to find a way to fit it in that creates new stories in for everybody else rather than just saying, I need to take this separate? Mm -hmm. Work a little bit, sand off some of the rough edges and see what happens. You could make a, a case either way, I think. Yeah, I, I think, look, I think that there's always a case for artistic freedom, right? And, and to be able to do what you want to do with a great idea. Uh, however, and we've said this before with a lot of other things, if you if you want to write Spider-Man, you, you didn't create Spider-Man, so you've got to play a little bit by the mm -hmm. rules, you know? You're getting to play with that character, this great character, so you're going to have to follow the rules. You know, you're not, you're not creating them. Now, that, that line gets a little blurred, when even when you're creating a character for a company, even though you don't own it, however, you know you're creating a character for the Marvel mm -hmm. universe. Um, I think that a lot of the times, yeah, like I, I think sometimes, especially when events come up or storylines come up or things get changed, that that has an effect on writers negatively. But I think that a lot of times, I'll use a, a Hollywood analogy here. You look at someone, you look at someone like Peter Jackson who made Lord of the Rings giantly successful hugely successful so the next movie he made which was this king kong remake he got to do whatever he wanted which equaled a worse movie than probably would have existed if there was somebody telling him look peter you probably don't want to have you probably don't want this movie to be two hours and 45 minutes long mm -hmm. sometimes you need rules and guidelines as an artist as a creator as a writer to do your best works some people are not like that you know some people you know need that wild freedom to be the kind of people they are but I, I always have a big respect for people like you know you look at someone like alfred hitchcock or steven spielberg who play within the rules of certain ideas and create great work anyway um that's not to say that stanley kubrick isn't as good yeah, director yeah. or a better director than either of those people but it's just a different style and, and way of being and that's what i think personally steve do you have anything to add um, I think you guys, you guys said a, a majority of what I was going to say. Um, but I would also add, I mean, I think it's in, in some instances, it's good to have rules and it, it's answering to somebody and, and remaining within a continuities uh, helps the story. But I also think that there's room for standalone stuff that I don't see why if somebody wants to create their own standalone story, just do a better job of telling people that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. 
you know, if you're going to do like, like I, Bob is saying, you know, why can't we have more minis? Why can't we have more three to four to five issue arcs and then just leave it alone? Like if you want, you know, a Peter Parker Spider-Man story, like let's say Dan Slott is going to continue on with this superior Spider-Man stuff and we're not going to see Peter Parker for a really long time. I personally don't see a reason why if somebody has an idea for a really great Peter Parker story and people are clamoring for one that they can't come out with a book or if you want release it all at once in a graphic novel and just very clearly state to people even have that first page explain to them this is outside of continuity this is a a great Peter Parker story that we felt needed to be told here it is, and we hope you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make that the Marvel Knights. Make yeah. that the their yeah. vertigo of mm. superheroes. Yeah, I don't see why you can't have both. Yeah, I think you, I think yeah. both are necessary. And you you definitely can have both, um, but I, I think that there is probably a, a, a sense, just an, in the you can call it ego for lack of a better term, that you know you're gonna write Spider Man, you're gonna write the X Men, you want to be writing the X Men, you don't want to be writing like, you know weird doesn't matter x-men you know you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so uh even though i don't agree with that either i mean i would love the idea of being able to read these out of continuity stories but i think look we we were just talking about triple helix and trio right that's a superhero comic that john Byrne created that he can do whatever he wants with he doesn't you know the trade-off is not as many people are going to read it obviously as if it was x-men and and fantastic four but he gets to do whatever he wants. He gets to create heroes in the mold and archetype of those other big famous heroes. And obviously, regardless of how much trio sold, it must have sold enough because they, they said, IDW go ahead wants to do, do your next one, you know? So IDW is in the business of losing money. So I, I think that those independent companies give you the ability to, if you want to do your crazy story, you want to go off the rails, that's where you can do it. Um, if you want to tell your superhero story, look, take chances, pitch those stories, you know, that are off the wall. Do like, look what we talked about Dan Slott a bunch today. He did something pretty crazy with the character and it's working, you know, so there's room to play. It's just, you know, you can't really break the mold in mainstream comics. You, 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 there's some elasticity to it. It's like a balloon. It can blow up, but you, you just can't pop it you know it's it's got to be able to come retract and expand well john Byrne has said that you mentioned him we always felt we were renting the book mm. and the characters from the people who would follow us right yeah you can play yeah but just make sure you put, put all the toys, toys back, back. Yeah. when you're done mm. you know that that's we gotta do it so you know because i i guarantee you when dan slot finishes spider-man run peter will be back you mm. know and he'll try to give the next person the 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 clean slate you know to to go forward with the character the way they want to go forward with it you know so you know mostly and plus it's comics the things always go back they always go forward they're always shifting they're always changing so that's what happens they're like soap operas it's just you know it's unrecognizable at one point and then completely recognizable in in another sense so you know it's it's where you play you know Mm -hmm. you and as a creator, as a writer, you have to be able to differentiate between those two things. But great question. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Um, if you guys want to get in contact with us, please, uh, now that we're back on the train here, we're going to be doing more normal listener questioner segments, uh, podcast at 
talkingcomicbooks.com, uh, at Talking Comics on Twitter, and facebook.com slash Talking Comics. Uh, so let's talk about some books that are on the shelves right now. From Boom Studios, we have Aliens vs. Parker, number four, Bravest Warriors, number 13, Fanboys vs. Zombies, number 19, and Grace Randolph's Superbia, number 12. Um, from Dark Horse Comics, we've got uh, Conan and the People of the Black Circle, number 104, Dark Horse Presents, number 29, we've got Kiss Me Satan, number 2, um, Mass Effect Foundation, number 4, The Massive, number 16, Mind Management, number 16, um, Star Wars Legacy 2, number 8. From DC Comics, we've got Adventures of Superman, number 6, All-Star Western, number 24, Aquaman, number 24, Arrow, number 12, um, we've got Batman the Dark Knight, number 24, um, Beware the Batman number one, which is based on their cartoon series. Catwoman number 24. We've got DC Universe versus the Masters of the Universe number two. Hmm. Um, Flash number 24. Green Team Teen Trillionaires number five. Injustice Gods Among Us number 10. Justice League number 24. And Justice League Dark number 24. Uh, Green Team has been canceled, by the way. I don't think we talked about that. I think it happened uh, around the con time, but Green Team is canceled. All right. Uh- Carolyn Cocos spoke to Freddie Williams, who draws the movement, and yeah. apparently Gail Simone has delivered the next five issues. Mm. So will it make those five? Maybe. Maybe. Um, we've got uh, Lara Flea's number four. We've got Mad Magazine number 524, Red Lanterns number 24, Superman number 24, Talon number 12, Teen Titans number 24, Tom Strong and the Planet of Peril number four, Unwritten number 54, and uh, Vertigo and DC are releasing the first issue of Sandman for a dollar. Like the, the original, oh, okay. not, not the new one. No. <laughs> um, from Dynamite, we've got uh, Army of Darkness Reanimator, one shot. Uh, we've got uh, Green Hornet Legacy, number 42. Pathfinder, number 10. Spider, number 15. Uncanny, number 4. Vampirella, number 35. And Vampirella Southern Gothic, number 3. Um, as far as Vampirella Halloween special 2013, oh. uh, a lot of Vampirella uh, from IDW. We have uh, Crow Curare number three. <laughs> uh, Curare. Curare. We had this problem the first time and the second time. I think feel like it's been a really long time. Uh, Doctor Who number fourteen. Uh, Fever Ridge: A Tale of MacArthur's Jungle War number four. Haunted Horror number seven. Judge Dread number twelve. Um, other Dead, number two. Uh, Rocketeer, The Spirit, Pulp Friction, number two. Seems like forever since uh, yeah. that was out. Yeah, I know. Uh, Samurai Jack, number one. Star Trek, number 26. Thunder Agents, number three. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, New Animated Adventures, number four. Uh, we've got uh, Transformers Regeneration 1, number 95. Um, X-Files Season 10, uh, number... Nope, so those are second printings. Uh, Zombie War, number one, by Kevin Eastman uh, from uh, IDW. Uh, From Image Comics, we have Bounce, number six, Bushido, number four of five, Clone, number 11, uh, Great Pacific, number uh, 11, uh, Pretty Deadly, number one. Yeah. Uh, I think we've heard of that one. Yeah. Rat Queens, number two, Satellite Sam, number four, Sex Criminals, number two, uh, Velvet, number one. It's a big week for Image. Um, from Marvel Comics, we have all-new X-Men. Sorry, no, we do not, because that's the second printing. We've got Daredevil, number 32. We've got um, FF, number 13. Uh, Indestructible Hulk, number 14. 
Infinity Heist, number 204. Infinity The Hunt, number 304. Iron Man, number 17. Um, we've got... Um, where we go? Nova, number 9. Uh, uh, we've got Savage Wolverine, number 10. Secret Avengers, number 10. Superior Carnage, number 4. Um, Superior Spider-Man Team-Up, number 5. Thunderbolts, number 17. Ultimate Comics, Spider-Man, number 28. Uncanny Avengers, number 13. Venom, number 42. Wolverine the X-Men, number 37. Um, and Young Avengers, number 11. Uh, from, let's see, from Valiant, we have Harbinger, number 17. And from Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales, number 90. Wonderland, number 16. Uh, and that is it for this week's releases. Um, not a Transformer in sight. Not a Transformer in sight. Well, there was last week, but oh. I did it myself because <laughs> I recorded the like the outro to the show by myself. So uh, I was like, "Oh, Bob would have gotten this because I think it was more. I think it was more than meets the eye. That's easy to do. But I could have been. I could be lying just to throw you off. <laughs> so next time I'll you, be off. You'll be off. You know. But you take a drink then, anyways. And how that drinking game worked. Yeah, it's true. Whether I was right well, or wrong, right, you right or wrong, because I think it's pretty much even. Whether you're right or wrong, <laughs> so people just want to be drinking, Bob. Uh, Steve, did you hear about this? Is the kind of news, but I want to ask you before we get out of here. Did you hear about the Dark Souls Two comic? I didn't. <laughs> um, uh, so here we go. Uh, it's getting a free online graphic novel called Dark Souls Two: Into the Light. Um, it's being developed primarily for the internet. But certain editions of the game will come with a print copy, according to Namco Bandai. Do we have writers and artists? Uh, it's by Rob Williams and art by Andy Ewington. Oh, it's written by Rob Williams and Andy Ewington with illustrations by Simon Colby. Uh, Isn't Rob Williams the guy from Matchbox 20? Not, not Yes, but not that Rob Williams. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, um, I, You know, it's funny. I'll, I'll probably check that out. The... Uh, the comic for Darksiders 2 was considerably awesome. Oh yeah. When that came out. So I don't I don't knock all video game related comics cuz that one was pretty badass and I do love me some Dark Souls. I know you do. I know yeah. I know you do. Um so I wanted to bring that up before we got out of here. I'm looking at a piece of art from it. It looks pretty cool. Um cool. So yeah, so if you guys uh want to get in touch with us again, podcast talkcombooks.com uh, at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and TalkingComicBooks.com is the website. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? Mine is at Dead underscore Anchorus. Bob, your email address? Mm. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right. And I think that's going to wrap up our first post-con show. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for all the feedback, uh, for all the NYCC stuff that we did. Thank you for all your feedback with all the reviews. People are still pumping out great reviews for the site, so make sure you guys check those out. Um, we have lots of great content coming in the future. I'm, I want to try to sit down, and um, maybe Steve and I can sit down. We'll play a little bit of The Wolf Among Us, the, the Fables game. Give people a, yeah, little, a little look at that. Um, some more video game stuff in the future. But, uh, yeah, stay tuned. we got some big stuff coming up. We also, we're already going to start talking about end of the year stuff internally. So, uh, look yeah, forward to those. Time already. It's that time already. Mm-hmm. Look forward to those podcasts at the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's weird. We, we, it's, it's a lot of content, but we haven't been here. So I feel like we've been away from you guys for a while. It's nice to be back. It's nice to be podcasting. Um, so for Steve, 
<laughs> Later, everybody. And Bob. Good night. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs>